best wrestling in the whole world. Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold your horses, there, uh, Mister Nerd, is it? That's it. You want lucha libre, whatever you call them, go to Japan. So, Mike, this this isn't an angle, and I don't even wish it was an angle. Welcome, everybody, to You've Got to Be Kidding Me for March 2003. I'm Garrett Kidney, and I am joined by my wonderful, lovely co-host, Liam Jones. Liam, are you prepared to talk about some March 2003 TNA? Some would say I'm over-prepared. Over some would say I fucked up my first sentence in the podcast. Isn't that always the best when you... If you go listen to the recent watch-alongs and or Monday War Games, you'll hear me mess up most of my first sentences in the podcast trying to introduce this. So at least it's fair. I've turned it around on myself. Or if you go and listen to the uh, Patreon Q&A we did, I accidentally said we, we put out a call for answers on, on Twitter. <laughs> we should have posted questions and they gave us the answers and we just read them out. That's even less work for content. It's like Jeopardy, yeah. <laughs> to guess the questions. If you do listen to that, you'll hear a sudden... That's not a sudden cut. It's a relatively smooth cut where I cut out the word answers and I just say, we put out a call on Twitter. <laughs> so... <laughs> Revealing the inner workings of my inability to speak into a microphone clearly enough for you to understand without me having to hatch it together and post. I still suggest that we um we do the thing of you edit out the word and then just in plain monotone say whatever word you had meant to say. So we put out the call for questions. I am a podcasting professional, so if I do edit anything, if I do have to put words in to fix something, I will actually try and like voice match myself. <laughs> yeah. That's the coward's way. So some admin work, I suppose, before we start. Uh, we, we mentioned this on a couple of the Patreon shows, patreon.com slash me or tnhad.com. But we are finishing up Monday War Games this week, so we do want to know from you, uh, what do you want us to cover next on the Patreon? Anything in the world of TNA Wrestling or beyond? Yes, we'll cover either TNA Wrestling or Beyond Wrestling. They're the two <laughs> promotions that we'll focus on here. That is, of course, what I meant when I said or beyond. But yeah, we're, we're out of 2010 TNA. We don't have to watch Raw anymore, which is like, Thank pleasant. God. <laughs> what a boring show that 2010 Raw is. But yeah, if you do want us to cover anything, hit us up on Patreon if you're a subscriber. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up on Discord. You can tell us what to do. Again, dancing monkeys. We will do whatever you want. Except that. Dance as a monkey? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I mean, you can, I guess. At least we don't have to watch 2010 Raw. <laughs> you know what? Except that. I will not watch <laughs> any more 2010 Raw. Somebody suggest, should suggest that we do keep going through 2010 Raw just to make us suffer. And I'll say no. <laughs> it is an exceptionally boring television. It's not even bad. It's just so boring. And then there's like one good one and you're like, oh, imagine if this was all the time. Yeah, look at all this talent they have. What if they had good matches? Like, nope, we're going to have the most boring headlock matches you've ever seen and a show with no angles and bad guest host comedy. That's what I want from every promotion. Just have good matches every week. Oh, and no angles and bad guest host comedy? I mean, that can do... T- yeah, no, no, I demand that they have bad angles and bad guest host, guest host commentary as well. It's the the best part when McGruber shows up and has matches with Vlad Kozlov. That's all you want in the world. Yeah. <laughs> that show was made for me. Why? Because you love McGruber? Who doesn't? I don't. I wonder how McGruber did in the box office. Let's find out. Didn't we look this up on the show itself? Now, we looked up the history of MacGruber. But not whether or not it was a hit. Mm. 
the budget, $10 million. Mm-hmm. By the way, the fact that $10 million goes into fucking MacGruber. We can't find better... We can't find a better way to distribute that money except make the movie MacGruber? No. You're suddenly very hot about MacGruber. <laughs> well, it's... I, I, I've just... Be- you know, we just spend so much money on television and movies, you know? Like, so much money. We spent $10 million on MacGruber. Mm-hmm. And it made 9.3. <laughs> like, $10 million is not a large budget, and then it made 9.3. $10 million on MacGruber. If you look at the average film, $10 million is relatively I am aware. low in the scheme of it's things. It's all insane! Your average Marvel movie costs close to $200 million. Ah! People are starving! <laughs> there are, like, people, so many people are homeless. And we have to make MacGruber for $10 million. Hey, those Saturday Night Live people gotta make money somehow. Yeah, Will Forte. Yeah. And Kane. Kane is in it. Yeah, Kane's in a lot of things. Sadly, including mayoral office. He's li- by the way, um, in the credits of MacGruber, he is listed as Kane, not Glenn mm. Jacobs. That's so, when he does go into his political career, he was very smart with this. People can't trace back his acting to him. People will be like, oh, Glenn Jacobs, he never acted. Kane? Never heard of him. Kane won by 23 votes. Did he? He won the, the Republican primary oh, by 23 right. votes. <laughs> the actual uh, election by, like, I can't split the difference here. Thirty thousand. I'd imagine in uh, Knox County, that's probably quite Republican leaning. Uh, seems so. Poor Linda Haney couldn't handle the devil's favorite demon. He should have campaigned with that nickname. I think like all of his like opposition were like, "Look at this fucking idiot wrestler guy, huh? Yeah, Yo, you gotta vote him in." And then they're like, "Yeah, yeah, why not? It's Kane." And then he'd do like choke slam stunts on the campaign. It's like, oh. Did he? That'd be the rules. Yeah, he should, have, he should have just choked them through somebody through a table. Uh, uh, like, a representation of his political opponent. Like, that's the big finale of his stump speech, where he just choke slams the representation of his, uh, his political opponent through a table. And like, yeah, I vote for you. True. Because realistically, American politics, all politics, frankly, is pageantry rather than actual substance. <laughs> if they spent millions of dollars on see no evil, I'm about to wild right now. Yes, every movie costs millions of dollars, Liam. No, yeah, it like, shouldn't. <laughs> they, okay, Cena Evil cost $8 million to make, but made $18 million. Yeah, yeah, it's a big hit. No wonder they made a sequel. Cena Evil box office. <laughs> this cannot be real. What? $1.6 million. Yeah, that seems right. They should put Cena Evil guy in, like, Dead by Daylight or something. I don't think See No Evil had the cultural cash to, to to demand being put in popular video games. Nah, put him in there. Like that's like the the smash of horror. <laughs> put, put him in. Put him in Dead by Daylight. Did you see their whole NFTs thing that they went through lately? I saw people getting mad at it. I didn't look into the specifics. They were like, "No, we swear, but that's not what we're doing." No, and everyone's like, "No, that's what you're doing." No one wants NFTs. Nobody other than the weird crypto freaks that nobody likes. And when you see on Twitter, you run away from. 
wants NFTs in the world. Stop trying companies. And I know why companies do it, because companies are like, money? So of course they do it, but nobody wants it. Oh, they can make $20 million and make a shitty fucking movie that no one will ever watch. Do you know that the final shot of the film See No Evil 2 shows each dead member of the cast before a final close-up shot of Jacob's face as he says, I see now, referring to their sins. Oh yeah, he he's seen the evil, thereby ending the franchise. Mm. It's deep and metaphorical. In June 2014, it was reported the movie would not be released into theatres. On the topic of deep and metaphorical, 2003 mm. TNA, Liam. Oh. Similar to recent weeks, there's not a ton of like big, juicy news. There's a bunch of debuts and stuff, though. The TVs are juicy, so that's all you come for, isn't it? But... We mentioned this last month, although TNA officials have been boasting about turning away fans at the Nashville Fairgrounds for their pay-per-view events, the company is still handing out stacks of comp tickets. They're everywhere, one wrestler said. You go to a gas station and there will be piles of free tickets just sitting on the counter for the taking, according to PW George. I hope um, that that gas station is the one where Eric Young had to go to buy rubbers and James Storm caught him. That was taped in Orlando, so it probably wasn't. But (laughs) That is... 100% 100% the era of James Storm I'm looking forward to most. <laughs> just comedy goof era? Yeah, I, I just... I have such great memories. <laughs> it, is, it is, like, the best era of James Storm when he finally grows a personality and it's like, wait a minute, this guy's, like, the funniest dude in the roster. What's happening here? But to be fair, you see it a little bit at the start when he's, like, goofy cowboy man, but then they got rid of that element of the character so quickly that now he's like stoic guy that stands behind Chris Harris while Harris cuts promos. Well, no, to be fair, he usually does cut his own promo as well. Oh, yeah, he, he comes in at the end and hits his line. <laughs> Except this month they're contemplating breaking up AMW, but we'll get to that in a sec. <gasps> A follow-up from the Wrestling Observer on that same story. After the fifth straight full house on the March 5th show, the decision has been made to slow down and giving away free tickets in a few more weeks. The plan at this point is to not let anyone with free tickets into the building until 6pm, so those who pay at least will have the advantage in getting better seats. They're going to cut back in the number of free tickets issued in hope that the people who got in free regularly will start becoming paying customers. Feels like a better strategy would just be to step up their, like, merch game. Yeah, try and upsell the people who you do drag in there for free with an AJ Styles t-shirt or something. Yeah, like, get your concessions up and get your your merchandise up, so that way even the free people come in will come to spend money. I do love that they, on commentary they are like, oh, you know, we're turning people away, what attendance we've had, because, like, they're just basically the equivalent of hiring a plane and dropping free tickets to your show across the state of Tennessee out of the air is basically their their strategy here. So when tons of people show up with those free tickets, they're like, ah, oh, we gotta turn some of them away. Well, at least people are showing up with the free tickets. It'd be worse if they weren't. <laughs> yeah, if they were blanketing the state with those free tickets and then nobody bothered showing up. Yeah, that's one so much worse. I, th- I believe by all like uh, the, the building holds thirteen hundred, and I think the estimates were like usually maybe five or six hundred were paid, and then the rest were papered. So like half of the people in the building weren't paying to get in the building. I mean, uh, you know what? I suppose it is still better to have the problem of at least people are showing up. Maybe we can find a way to turn this around into being profitable rather than there's no one here. 
Yeah, it would be much worse if, you know, you, you were getting that 500 paid, but then look how bad it looks in the building and probably how unenergetic it is, as opposed to having a full-looking building that you can do the brag that, like, we turned people away, because they did, it's not a lie, they just happened not to be paying customers. Um, and those people are in the building, and hopefully enthusiastic fans. They probably should have just tried and found a way to, you know, make it more, incentivize the people who bought the tickets, which I guess they are with the letting them in first, but, like, you know... Have some sort of added benefit, like, hey, you get this, you get to meet and greet, I don't know, some shit like that. You get to take a photo in the ring with NWA Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, well, wow, I would go just to mean mug Eric Watson. Jeff Jarrett will hit you with a guitar. <laughs> that has to be some premium pricing. Don West will hard sell you a piece of merchandise. Well, that's free for everyone who enters, I assume. Uh, Goldilocks will give you a personal acoustic concert of America the Beautiful. Well, you're going to get that anyway. <laughs> Hacksaw Jim Duggan will tell you about his political opinions. He sure will. You can have a beer with the Sandman. Most people will. <laughs> well, yes, that's actually one of the things they give away for free as well when you think about it. <laughs> Sandman will cost you a match. Some random guy will be in a cage. Oh yeah, you get to do your own dance in the TNA girl's cage. I have some questions about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's no one in the cage at the time. It's just you. You get to take the place of Lollipop or other nameless girls. No, I have a a question about the masked man that was in the cage. Oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Oh, that was was one of the auction things, wasn't it? I assumed, but it was never explained. (laughs) There was just a dude in the cage. And I went back through the show, and I was like, why is there a masked man in the cage? (laughs) Just a fellow doing his dance in the cage. It felt like some fucking Eric Andre skit. (laughs) Don't acknowledge it. Just add to the extra bit of comedy. Yeah. Make it surreal and strange if you don't actually explain what's happening. But yeah, if you do remember, there was Become a TNA Girl for a Night was one of the auction things. So I assume it was that person. Uh, He definitely bought his own costume, right? I would hope so. Or they're like, no, we can't put you in that cage. Wear a mask. Oh, he looked like the dude who steals the pizzas. That old, that little cartoon, that little cartoon guy. Who? Yeah, you know, little cartoon guy steals the pizzas. No, I don't. The Noid. Oh, okay. <laughs> he looked like the Noid. Hmm. Yeah, you know that little cartoon guy who steals the pizzas. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> avoid the Noid, Garrett. And he was standing there in the TNA cage. He could not avoid the Noid because he was dancing. <laughs> well, he was avoided. He was compromised to a permanent end. You could ride horsey poo. I'm, I'm still thinking of things you could do to incentivize the customers. I, I I think we've come up with a good, like, 15 of them. You could compete in the Dub Cup. Yeah. Raven will teach you bleed how to... You. Well, yes, he'll bleed on anybody these days. I was going to say he will teach you his poetry, but sure, he will bleed on you. <laughs> yeah, he'll teach you how to write... He'll teach you how to write decent poetry, but perform it terribly. Yeah, so he will go to one of those brick-walled spoken word poetry places, stand in front of it, and say it in the most bored, unenthusiastic way imaginable. Yeah, and forget half the words. Trinity will teach you some stunts. Wow, from the movie Elektra? Oh yeah, she'll teach you exactly how Jennifer Garner did her stunts in the movie Elektra. Wow. Vince Russo will teach you how to try and sincerely say things that are untrue, but tr- convince you things are actually true. I was going to say, Vince Russo will teach you how to abandon your children. 
and then cut promos about how they're just punks and little shits and they don't deserve anything. And then and the next sh- week, completely backflip on that. <laughs> Which is the classic Vince Russo. AJ Styles will not say a slur to you if you pay money on the shit. But he will look real frustrated <laughs> while he can't say it. You just bottle it in. <laughs> Uh, anyway, Chris Sabol, who was placed in charge of the company by Panda Energy, we've Is mentioned this his Chris name a couple Saban's, times. Uh, indie name? Uh, yes, sure. <laughs> he was relieved of his duties recently. Not only was he removed from overseeing TNA's t- day-to-day business operation, but he is no longer working for Panda. Oh, who will hail Saban now? <laughs> Dixie Carter, the daughter of the owners, has unofficially assumed Sabol's old position. The Jarrett family is thrilled with the move, as they often butted heads with Sabol over budget matters. I bet so. <laughs> So by all accounts, they hated him, didn't want him there, and then Panda fired him and fired him from his Panda job. Not just he, like he wasn't just taken from TNA; he was also removed from Panda Energy. So I mean, that sucks. Ah, well. So that is the like the the where Dixie is getting increasingly powerful in the company because obviously she was hanging around, but yeah, she is now the the Panda Energy liaison basically for for TNA, and that position only grows over time. I uh, I feel like um. This will be the last we hear of the Dixie Carter name. Yeah, never going to bring her up again. She's just going to operate in the background, completely unseen, just do her business and never be an important character in the show. Yes, and speaking of, um, in 2010, I forgot to acknowledge that at one point it just had, please follow at Dixie Carter DNA on Twitter. That's not at one point, Liam. That's never only at one point. That's every single week for the best part of eight years. (laughs) That rules. (laughs) That every week there is a lower third for following Dixie Carter on Twitter. It's like it's her podcast. <laughs> She's like, and please remember to follow at Dixie Carter TNA. It's at TNA Dixie. Thank you very much. I, sorry, uh, forgive me. Please remember Dixie's handle. At Dixie Carter TNA will be my new ad. <laughs> Clearly their plugs didn't work if you didn't even remember her handle. There you go. Literally every week, for years and years and years, Dixie's Twitter is plugged on this national pro wrestling television show. That's so funny. As if you needed any greater indication that all of this is a Dixie Carter vanity project than the promotion of her Twitter weekly. I need uh, that Dixie Carter action figure. Oh yeah, that's a classic. Yeah. Do you remember the campaign where they're like, you should take photos of Dixie in weird places? I bet people took photos of Dixie in weird places. <laughs> when that action figure came out, there was this Where is Dixie thing to try and sell the figures, where they encouraged people to take unusual photos of Dixie Carter. Did people take unusual photos? They sure did. I think there are a bunch of them on Facebook. <laughs> when we get to that period, we'll dig them out. <laughs> Yay. Because who doesn't want to see the Where is Dixie campaign photos? Just like we want to see all the Shira Shuffle videos. <laughs> I do want to see all the Shira Shuffle videos, to be fair. Uh, TNA signed Trinity to a contract. Good. Again, we shall remiss over the poor state of uh, Chris Devine and everything going wrong in his life. But Trinity doing well. Just Chris Devine, not Quiet Storm. Actually, no, there's a fun note that Quiet Storm has gone to Japan. Yeah, he's off to Gleet. (laughs) And he never comes back. No. I can't remember where he went, but yeah, he's off to a dojo for three months. I'm not sure where he goes at this point. Eventually, he ends up in Noah and then goes to Gleet. Yeah, but I just find that fun. It's like Chris Devine's life is falling apart, and Trinity's living her best life doing moonsaults on television, and then Quiet Storm's off to Japan, where he will quietly live out the rest of his career. 
you know what? In the end, I think Quiet Storm ended up with the <laughs> the best tenure. He certainly had the longest run in pro wrestling, so go Quiet Storm. Yeah, still going. Still going good. And still going good. I haven't seen a Quiet Storm match since 2003 TNA. <laughs> yeah, go check some of them out. Go check out him and uh, Muhammad Yone. Good tag team. To be fair, I more than likely at least saw one or two of his Noah matches. Yeah. Wow, not his Gleet matches, Garrett? I will get to Gleet, don't you worry about it. Um, anyone remember to vote Gleet for our <laughs> our Behind the Patreon <laughs> series? Where we, I make Garrett watch every Gleet. Well, you did just tell me about Beef Orchestra, so that, that no, no, is... No, 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 not, not um, Bulk. Oh, sorry, Bulk Orchestra, yes. All my, in capitals, Bulk. So that that is tempting, hearing about Bulk Orchestra, a group of yeah. beefy men who are going by the name Bulk Orchestra. And their poses, they all do bicep poses, with uh, Nobu on one of their biceps each also doing a bicep pose. That's, that's pro wrestling, you know? It's not shooting, it's not spooks... It's just beefy men doing biceps pose while sitting on other beefy men. That's really what it should be. And they, all they do is just beat up uh, Shima. That's all they do. So what more could you want from a, a group? J.J. Dillon has not been backstage for the past few weeks. Another one of those people who showed up, seemed to have a role in the show, and then disappeared again. I thought he was going to stick around. He will never be seen again. So there you go. He'll go to Ring of Honor for the, for the ROH CCW feud in a couple of years. There's basically a lot of people who won't be seen again soon. We'll talk about that when we get into the shows, unfortunately. Including a person who you were worried constantly about disappearing has now finally disappeared. Chris Rock. Oh, yeah. Actually, no, this is the month State of Play came out, which brings us to our next point. Phase 3, the Atlanta-based company who designed the TNA logo, sent a threatening letter to the producers of Chris Rock's Head of State movie because they filed a lawsuit they weren't, that they weren't paid over their design work. How much money did Head of State take to make? Well, clearly this company was like, oh, yeah, this is the end game. We can get the money out of Chris Rock for showing the old logo. In- ah! Garrett! Mm-hmm. $35 million to make head of state. Why Why are you so baffled that movies it's cost so this much money? much money! Have you never looked at a Wikipedia page I know before? how much they are. I know. But it's just $35 million to make head of state! Why is this suddenly become a thing that you have become infatuated and quite angry about? Immoral! <laughs> to spend that much money on a movie that will never be matter! <laughs> oh, so here's Mr. Chris Rock can't make his movies. No, he should feed people! <laughs> and it made 38.6. Well, the production of Head of State fed people, Liam. Where do you think that $38.6 million <sighs> yeah, went that's to? That's fair enough. That's fair enough. It paid people who were cameramen and paid people you know, who yeah. were writers and paid people yeah. who were directors and producers. It's yeah, not the, the like, film industry isn't immoral. It's actually important. But it's, it's where people do get the money for their job. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> people in Hollywood aren't pieces of shit. Actually. You say that as if, like... People elsewhere. No, this is aren't... genuine. This is genuine reaction. No, it's not. Don't you do this to me? No, I'm legit. I don't believe you. This is like Vince Russo. It's like no, no. This is real. This is I'm not. I'm not doing <laughs> this a bit. No. This isn't an angle. This isn't an angle. This is real. I'm leaving the podcast forever. Christopher Daniels is expected to be offered a contract with a raise. He's talked with the company for a few weeks that if he got a deal with a raise, he'd cut back on his Michinoku Pro dates. And Jeff Jarrett has been very impressed with his work from the Wrestling Observer. 
excited for that big main event push. So Daniels is in as a regular because like the big thing, the big issue, and it's actually it's not a thing you see as much anymore, but like the number of people who were working Japan dates was causing TNA a great headache because like Amazing Red would disappear for a month or two. It, it'll become an issue with D'Lo Brown who does a lot of all Japan dates. Uh, Elix Skipper does all Japan as well. Loki does Japan. And it's like all these guys, like the Japan dates take precedence because TNA is not offering them full-time contracts for the money worth giving up to Japan dates. So they take to the Japan dates and then disappear off TV even though they're really good. Yeah. Did you ever play EWR? It was like the precursor to TEW. Yeah, yeah. I, I played the hell out of it. I, I, I play TEW literally every day. You think I didn't start with EWR? So, yeah, in EWR, the big issue I always had running TNA was like people would always just disappear to Japan. It's like, no! Why are you going on three month tours of Japan? I need you, Elix Skipper! <laughs> Well, that was always the thing that made me swap from EWR to TW because I actually got to play as Japan. So, yeah, I'd have all those problems. And it would always be like, oh, and this is the pay-per-view. We spent weeks building it up. What's that? You don't do Sundays. Yeah. Well, that still happens now in, like, TW, too. You'd be like, oh, I've built up everything. And then you'll check the dates and suddenly they took a booking for that day. Yeah. It's very annoying. I imagine it would have been even more annoying in real life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you can you can imagine how it feels when you play those games because uh, I think it is easier in TW because you can just move the show to a day where it's not where they're not booked elsewhere if that is possible if they have a day available as opposed to EWR where they were just gone for two months. It was always such a tease too because you'd see like all the Japanese guys like names that you want to book and you just couldn't book them either. Yeah. Like, you'll be playing EWR, and you're like, ooh, Shinsuke Nakamura, I'd like to bring him in. And it's like, nope, that's just not a thing you can do. So those are the pains TNA are currently going through with all these people who have Japan dates. and I've never related to something more. <laughs> and many of them just, just stop working. I'd imagine that's an issue with Steve Carino as well. I quite liked in the Wrestling Observer, Dave Meltzer was like, there, there's real definitive signs of a pickup of business. It's like the, the first two shows of March do sold out numbers with a higher than usual paid number. And the, the pay-per-views seem to be like trickling up from seven to 10,000 toward the you know, 10 to 13,000 range. So there seems to be a tick, uptick in business. And then toward the end of the month, it's like, maybe that uptick in business wasn't real as they struggle to get a thousand people in for the next couple of weeks. Well, the, you know, they burnt out the local territory, but they, internationally, everyone's still buying it. Australia, still putting in that money. Obviously, once Vince Russo stopped showing up on television, they were like, oh, no, we can't go anymore. I mean, the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and that is your uh, big notes. There's no big notes as mentioned. We're, we're in a period of stability, so not much big going on in these months. We want stability in my TNAs. But before we continue with the show, You've Got to Be Kidding Me is brought to you this week by HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Fall can be hectic, but HelloFresh's recipes save time you'd otherwise spend on meal prepping, grocery shopping, and chopping. So you can focus on getting back into a new routine and spending quality time with the family. HelloFresh offers 50 menu and market items to choose from every week, including vegetarian, calorie smart, and gourmet options, providing plenty of variety. 
As somebody who is very busy and has very little time and I was always looking to find more time for the good things in life, HelloFresh is a great option to save that time on cooking and give you the delicious meals you want and the time to spend after it doing the things that matter to you. Go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 and use code VOW14 for up to 14 free meals, including free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash VOW14 using the code VOW14. Don't worry, there's plenty of fun notes within the shows themselves, which brings us to broad topics, starting with sex. A, not Vince Russo this month, but a very Vince Russo light month, even though the specter of Vince Russo did continue to hang over the show. Yeah, constantly. Every time you started the show, it'd be, dear, 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 Mike, I'm leaving the business. So yeah, the first show of the month, March 5th, 2003, NWA paper number 35, well it didn't begin, but there was a promo in there with Mike Tanay and Vince Russo. Vince Russo was like, Mike, I saw Kurt Hennig die, and... (laughs) Yeah, fucking like, and he's like, oh, I hate to say it. No you don't! And that made me realize, it made me put things in perspective that I need to spend more time at home with my family after my kids buried me last week and I buried them in response. But now, now no, I've recognized what they said is true. So Mike, this isn't an angle. I wish it was an angle, which that that feels like a candidate for a a show opening quote, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's not an angle, I wish it was an angle. Yeah. (laughs) It's it's really, that that kind of captures... The spirit of TNA. Like, this isn't an angle, I wish it was an angle. (laughs) So Vince Russo has decided to step away from sex, step away from being an on-air character with TNA, and he's going to go home to his kids and his family and be happy out. And beat the shit out of them. (laughs) Well, maybe that's what happened, Liam. He went home to Will that night after the pay-per-view, after Will buried him on national Maybe Will kicked his ass, and he's like, oh, fuck, maybe I I gotta stay. Well, I was going to go, he beat his children and then felt guilt over it. But yeah, maybe it was. He tried to beat up Will and then he realized, oh shit, Will is not like five anymore. He's actually a teenager who can beat me up in retaliation. Also, I told him when I was going to attack him. He just waited around the door when I walked in and jumped on my back and beat the shit out of me. (laughs) Just swung a baseball bat in my face the second I stepped through the door. (laughs) Damn, I I didn't think this through. (laughs) While BJ was biting my ankles. (laughs) Maybe he, he went home and Child Protective Services were just waiting for him because he said on pay-per-view that he was going to beat his children. He was like, no, bro, I wish it was an angle. It's not it an was, angle. Was, no, he's like, wait, shit, no, it was, it was an angle. It was an angle. Uh, so Vince Russo has seen the light. He's gone, which does leave a big void in sex. Who will step up to be the leader in sex? There, yeah, there's a power struggle between Glenn Gilberti, Mike Sanders, and Sonny Siaki for the remainder of the month to determine who will be the leader of sex. It's not very good stuff. I'm No, I don't want it. The first three episodes really stunk of it. Because, like, for as much as Vince Russo was an overbearing, annoying presence on the show, he was at least a good performer, and the things he did were interesting and interesting to talk about, which is the nature of Vince Russo. It's like, it's not good, but it's watchable and interesting. <laughs> yeah, 100%. As opposed to the Gilberti and Siaki and Sanders stuff, which is, uh, it's not good, nor is it interesting. Nor <laughs> do I want to watch it. So they, will when we get into the shows, we'll talk more about the stuff they, because they, they, they're all over the place in terms of what they're actually doing, because they're in multiple different feuds with multiple different people. This is a very weirdly spread sex month. Yeah. Uh, the, the, trying to think of a plan. Uh, <laughs> Leave you as long uh, as you need. Uh, I'm really, I'm blanking here. 
be better if it was a kinky sex month, am I right? <laughs> Instead of weird sex? Kinky? That weird? Was, that was... That was worse than my silence. Speaking of weird sex, a lot of the things... Gilberti- yeah! We're bringing it back! Let's go! <laughs> Gilberti, Sanders, and Siaki spent a majority of the month trying to get women to show their boobs for some reason, and not even trying, succeeding in some cases. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, like, not only do we have this giant power struggle within sex, we all have to divert our attention to exposing breasts throughout the month as well. I I don't know why, and it's legitimately, it's a thing they're actively trying to do. It's like, we're going to get Athena to show her breasts. They say it in a pre-tape at one stage. It's like, why? Why? It's like they're, um... (laughs) <laughs> it's they're like their campaign points. This is the thing I'll be running on, is that I will get Athena to show her breasts. And that proves my ability to take over as the leader of sex. Yeah. That uh, that it proves that I am responsible for directing sex. Mm. So on the March 12th show, there's a segment where Hollywood, the new member of sex... Ha, get it? Hollywood? Wood. Yes, wood. Ha. Ha. Who is also feuding within sex with desire. Yep. But she, uh, Siaki, uh, demands that somebody fight Hollywood and eventually settles on Lollipop, who fights Hollywood, Liam. Uh, I believe it was Sanders, wasn't it? Was it Sanders? I think it was Sanders. Either way, it's one of them, I don't care. Uh, so yeah, they come out and eventually Lollipop walks down the ramp, takes her boots off, starts doing a calf fight with Hollywood, and her boob comes out. Her boobs. No, it's just a single boob. One, uh, one of the, only one of the boob came out at first. I thought they ripped off the whole top, didn't they? Yeah, that's eventually what they did, which is quite ah. the weird bit. Because like while she was doing the cat fight, she had not just a nip slip. It was like literally a full boob came out of her top. Uh, it's blurred on the Impact Plus version, and actually wasn't blurred in the original version. <laughs> it's on pay-per-view. Why would you ever blur? <laughs> so uh, eventually they do rip off her top, and she Jerry Morris covers her up with a jacket. But I found it... Quite amusing. There's like, oh, her boob just flat out came out, and now the the angle is that they rip her top off, even though like it just came out while she yeah. was <laughs> brawling with Hollywood. Um, it was an interesting character development that we didn't see like horny JB at all in this. It was just pure concern for Lollipop. You see, it was Ed Ferrara who was the bad influence on him. Once mm. Ferrara's gone, JB is an upstanding moral individual, as opposed to back then the, the debauchery days where he would have tried to grope her while covering her up. Mm. This is Ed Ferrara. He's a, he's a bad locker room influence. Yeah, as opposed to now where he, JB is just like, you know what, I, I, I need to protect this woman from the indecency of what sex I've just done to her. Well, you know, it's not a segment that would happen nowadays, is it? Uh, for many reasons, I don't think so, no. <laughs> no, and, um, you know, I, as long as she was, like, cool with it and got uh, money for it, you know? <laughs> I hope she was compensated for her time. And ideally, her boobs would not have just come out in the first place. Yeah, well, you know. Why didn't the fucking Noid get his boobs out? Why did no one drag him out of it? <laughs> Gender standards, Liam. This is just totally unfair in the world. This is bullshit. Siaki then pivots to feuding with Athena, as we mentioned, he drops her on her head with a pile driver. <laughs> Slaughters her. I was watching this, like, with, like, my housemates, <laughs> and, like, they could see it, and they just, he just looked over and was like, ah! <laughs> because he does the thing where he pump handles her into, like, a tombstone? It's like a Rikishi driver. Yeah, with a little pump handle deal beforehand, and, like, he just spiked her right on her head. <laughs> 
just super dangerous. After he was trying to get her to show her boobs and she refused, and then he started insulting her boobs and was like, oh, well, we don't want you to show your boobs anyway, even though, like, literally, you said backstage your entire plan here was to get her to show her boobs. Well, classic beta. I know, maybe... Maybe Sanisiak is just on that Sigma grind set that we don't understand. <laughs> We've had enough Sigma males on this show, Liam. <laughs> Sanisiak is the next Sigma male. Well, if pile driving Athena makes you a Sigma, a Sigma male, he is one of them. I get all this Sigma like shit on my YouTube now, and I don't like it. Why do you get it, Liam? <laughs> because I, I searched up Sigma to take photos of it to send to people. And now I get Sigma grind set fucking uh, guys who are like, oh, you know, like videos of like Walter White. And they'll be like, the Sigma walks up to the group of alphas. <laughs> and it's like clips from Breaking Bad just with Sigma commentary over it. I think that's the kind of content you actually want and actively seek out in life, which is the reason YouTube is feeding it to you. The algorithm understands you better than you understand yourself, Liam. Uh, but I just, I can't tell if it's, like, ironic or mm-hmm. if it's, like, genuine. Which is really the problem of the world now, isn't it? Because it feels like it could just be some, like, dude making a meme that other people are taking seriously. Mm. Which is where the entirety of QAnon came from, so it wouldn't be a surprise. It does It does feel very cute. Literally, a goof on a forum just spiralled out of control. <laughs> <laughs> and had legitimate horrible effects in the real world. <laughs> God, uh, the internet sucks. <laughs> yeah, really, it was a mistake. Uh, so after he dropped the um, tr- Athena on her head, Siaki uh, feuded with David Young for a little bit. David Young defending the honor of Athena, of course. His bestie. So they went to have a match. A perfectly nice little match between the two of them. Yeah, it was um about as good as it gets, huh? As we mentioned on the watch along, that if Siaki and David Young were one wrestler, they would probably be a perfect wrestler. Yeah, you know, the charisma of Sonny Siaki and the workability of David Young. Desire came out, no contest, and then Siaki dropped Athena again! <laughs> yeah, but didn't do the pile driver. No, just the Siakalypse neckbreaker this time. Because that would make too much sense. Maybe she was like, I don't want to take that again. <laughs> Listen, she took it once, and they did show a replay of it three times, so you know, that's worthwhile. But she doesn't want to take it every single week. She doesn't want to be dropped on her head by Sonny Siaki on a weekly basis. Everyone else has to. <laughs> I would like to be dropped in my head by Sonny Siaki on a weekly basis, but apparently Athena doesn't. I'm just imagining this whole segment, with, but with you walking out in the neck brace instead. <laughs> and then Siaki Siakalypsing me. It's David Young sitting there, and like, no. Well, actually, we forgot to mention the most important part of this match. Siaki's parents fell down the entire time. <laughs> yeah! But he owned it, and, like, that's the thing. He just whipped his ass out, and he's like, yeah, whatever, and the crowd got into it, so... <laughs> Yeah, because his belt came loose, and then he was like, oh, this is a, a cumbrance to, to my... No, he did it to himself. He took the belt off to whip David Young. <laughs> and yeah, th- then he pulled it off, he threw it down, and then his pants started falling down. But as you mentioned, he did own it. He started flashing the crowd, and yeah, go Sonny Siaki. With his G-string that he was wearing. Yeah, I don't think there's anybody who doesn't want Sonny Siaki's pants to fall down in that crowd. Yeah, we saw some cheeks. This is this is a very uh, a cheek-heavy show. Cheeks was only on NWA TNA paper number two, Liam. Where's the brown-eyed girl? So that's the power struggle stuff. It continues through. Oh, power now. struggle. <laughs> hey, we got a Carter and Tamatonga. We, we got <laughs> Zack Sabre Jr. Shingo. 
They should they should bring Glenn Gilberti into New Japan for that power struggle. Who would you put him with? Uh, Gilberti against Yano, of course. <laughs> no, I was going to say put him in the House of Torture. <laughs> the other things we had, Jarrett feuded with the Fail Sons for the month. Yeah, and um, he, he enlisted Dusty Rhodes. So yeah, we get this, this feud where Jarrett, Dusty, and the debuting D'Lo Brown feuds with oh, Eric Watts, David Flair, and um, the other guy, and the Brian Lawler. <laughs> the other guy. I'm surprised you didn't get mad at me for forgetting Brian Lawler. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The other guy. <laughs> the best guy in the group. And he's the other guy. Hey, David Flair is the best guy in the group. That is not true. You know what? There's moments where I was watching David Flair this month where I was like, yeah, I'm actually okay with old Dave. There was one time where I was like, I like David Flair. And it was when him and Brian Lawler were in the ring with Dusty. Mm-hmm. And because I looked at them and I was like, this is Shaggy and Scooby. <laughs> David David Flair is Shaggy, and Brian Lawler is Scooby-Doo, and that should be their shtick. He does make many Scooby-Doo faces. And, like, David Flair's, like, out of it, too, so he's kind of like, yeah, you know, it works. I like these, these two should be goofball henchmen together the entire time. Brian Lawler should start doing the Scooby-Doo voice. <laughs> yes. He basically is. What up, David? <laughs> I'm Ruby Doo! <laughs> Dusty's like, that's charisma. <laughs> He's like, it ain't! We'll get to the Dusty David Flair segment in a moment. First, unfortunately, we have to talk about many Eric Watts promos. Eric Watts sucks. Uh-huh. And he sucks in such an unfortunate way in that he feels like he thinks he's a main event guy while he's sucking. Mm-hmm. Like... I said this to you in the in Twitter, but I was like, 2003, Eric is a WWE main eventer in 2021, based purely on the way he carries himself. <laughs> he would do everything to a T that they want him to do in 2021 WWE. He would be in a stable and then feud with Baron Corbin. Yes, 100%. He would be Baron Corbin. Mm. I, have, I have a take about Eric Watts, Liam. That he's the worst second generation guy in history? No, I was going to say he's the worst thing in TNA history so far. Hmm. I cannot, cannot stand Eric Watts on these shows. Like, he is unbearable. He does his first big promo on the show, uh, on the March 5th show, where he interrupts Jeff Jarrett in the ring. And he just talks forever about absolutely nothing at all. He's just like, Jeff, you did something. I'm not going to say what you did, but you did something and it hurt my career, but I'm not going to say exactly what. And my dad was fine. My dad loved me. My dad pushed me, except the entire premise of our stable is we hate our dads. But I actually hate you, Jeff, because you somehow ruined me. Because you're my dad. I'm just, he keeps talking. And as you said, he thinks he's cool, which is, I think, what makes it the most unbearable, which is the contrast from Flair and Lawler, who are operating like goons. And it's like, yeah, you're goons. That's fun. As opposed to Watts. Who just thinks he's a badass cool guy and this is his final opportunity to get a real push in the wrestling industry. And it's horrible. He's so bad. He's one of the worst promos I've ever seen in my life. And the worst part is he gets a ton of promo time. He talks a ton on these shows and he's horrible. Eric Eric Watts is an interesting one because he is the perfect example of what one of TNA's biggest problems is right now, where it's like guys who should just be mid-card goofs are pretending they're main event guys. Mm. And it's infuriating. Like, just let Disco be a mid-card goof. 
Just let Mike Sanders be a mid-card goof. Just let Flair and Lawler be mid-card goofs. Just let Eric Watts be a mid-card goof. Because none of these guys are main event guys. So you're not looking forward to a potential Jeff Jarrett-Eric Watts match? I mean, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Eric Watts is my second least favourite guy in TNA history, so... Oh, who's your least favourite? BG James. I have no time for BG James. I would watch a BG James promo or segment before I would watch an Eric Watts promo or segment. I wouldn't, because it'll have less slurs, gay bashing, (laughs) and terrible references and jokes that don't land. I'll take incoherent rambling over that. So, yeah, Watts is feuding with Jared, then pivots into a feud with Dusty. Well, I suppose Watts isn't really feuding with Dusty. Dusty is more feuding with the other fail sons. The goons. Dusty is feuding on with Jar Lawler and Flair. Well, Dusty's feuding with Lawler and Flair on TNA. That's crazy. I know, and Watts is feuding with Jarrett. It's uh, look, listen to all these names, Liam. <laughs> wow, um, I wonder how many people tuned in because they thought, "Wow, Flair and Dusty." But yeah, on that March twelfth show, we did have I think the best segment all month, which is Dusty Rhodes in the ring with David Flair and Brian Lawler. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it so much. I loved every second of it. Because we did get the big reveal at the end of the March uh, 5th show, where we finally saw, after the Raven and Sandman uh, Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, David Flair did reveal that he had the NWA title belt in his, his satchel, and that's what he's been hitting people with. It's his dad's old NWA title. I'll take a, a victory on that for saying it was a belt. Even though you said it was the wrong belt. Ah, whoa, 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 we don't have to bring that part up. So the next week, Dusty's like, you don't deserve that belt, you're not champions, and then Brian Lawler and David Flair are very upset, but then Dusty does a turn, it's like, you want to be king, you want to be king, and Brian Lawler's like, yeah, yeah, I want to be king, like my dad, and then Dusty's like, give me five, and he slaps Brian Lawler in the face, and it's like, you can be the king of these nuts, and the crowd go nuts. And the crowd goes fucking insane! (laughs) It's like the biggest pop in TNA history for that these nuts delivery. And the best part is, here's him with the D's nuts, and then they close up on Brian Lawler's face, and Dusty just starts throwing hands! He doesn't give a shit, he's like, he hits him with the D's nuts, then he's gonna he's gonna heat him up! He doesn't care about anything! And then, bam, hits the double elbows! Eric Watts runs in! And then it goes downhill a little bit. Yeah, then D'Lo and Jarrett made the save to set up a six-man tag for the next week. But that's the other segment. Dusty is, like, so insanely charismatic in the entire segment. He's just, like, the coolest guy in this company. Because he's a guy who can actually cut a promo and he's not being a nerd. He's the best guy in the company. Easily. Like, he's the biggest star. He's the best promo. He's the only guy who's, like, a good baby face. Like, up and down all of these shows. And he looks like he's having fun being there. Mm. Like, it isn't just a paycheck for him. He's just having a good time, and like as we mentioned, by all accounts, he's he's looking at like oh, maybe I can get in and get the book in this company. So I desperately wish we lived in the timeline where Dusty got the book in this company. So yeah, Dusty, Dusty rules. I love him so much. Even like the next week or the last week of the month, Dusty does this promo from his farm. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> or he's like getting weapons for his bunkhouse brawl. He's filling up his wheelbarrow with weapons to beat up David Flair with, and he's just doing a Dusty promo and like. Oh, Dusty, I love him. He's, like, maybe even the only good thing about this month, but he's he's great. Dusty is great. Someone suggest for our paid stuff that we just do a Dusty retrospective. <laughs> I Go just back. I want to see Dusty. Watch Dusty in his prime. Watch some great Dusty promos. And, like, this is Dusty in his prime. This is Dusty just being his charismatic self. He's not, like, a main event actor. He does get some title shots coming down the line. You can look forward to those. But I am. 
Dusty. Dusty Rhodes, man. What a charismatic... Who would have known that Dusty Rhodes is a charismatic pro wrestler who can carry a wrestling show even into his probably 50s at this stage? Dusty Rhodes, currently my frontrunner for 2003 TNA Wrestler of the Year. <laughs> he is the best wrestler in the company. It's undeniable. Just tremendous stuff. I love, I love Dusty so much. And then the last show of the month, he does have a bunkhouse match against David Flair where he just utterly squashes him in two minutes. And you know what? This is what Flair should be doing, though, you know what I mean? He's, he's pretty good in this. I, I was fine with it. Well, I regret to inform you, that is the last David Flair match we will, reco- we will cover. I mean, good, but also sad. Uh, Watts continues through the month on NWA TNA Baby number 37. He has an interview with Mike Tanay, where Mike Tanay is just like, You're saying nothing! Why aren't you saying anything? <laughs> just answer my questions, please! Even Russo answered my questions! <laughs> He was so frustrated and bamboozled by this Eric Watts interview where Eric Watts spoke in riddles and didn't say a word. And Mike Tanay just makes a face at the end, which I gift. It was a wonderful Mike Tanay reaction face where his, he has like a half smile and it drops to like just utter disdain toward Eric Watts. You know what? Uh, you know who would have got the answers out of Eric Watts? Who? The interrogators. Nah, that's the mistake they made. They they, they invited him on the Mike Tanay talk show instead of the, the rapid fire Mike Tanay Don West interrogation. Mm. He could be like, Bill Watts, uh, Dad, I love him, Jeff Jarrett, oh, he did this one thing, ah, he almost got me, Mike. <laughs> it's Don's presence, the crossed arms of Don's with the stroked chain of Mike Tanay is a combination that cannot be denied. Mm. Mm. I mean, it's just too powerful. So Jarrett D'Lo and Dusty defeated the new generation in a six-man tag match on that same March 19th show. I thought a nice little match, mostly because they built to a hot tag quite well. It wasn't anything special, but it was pretty good. Yeah, it's alright. And then after the match, Watts drags Jared out to the back. He ties him to the back of a car. Well, you're missing the turn. Uh, we'll talk about truth in a minute. Truth's a separate thing. Okay. <laughs> truth is a whole different topic for this month. Ugh. But yeah, Watts drags him all the way to the back, puts him in the back, ties his neck into a noose. And you're like, holy shit. Are they gonna, how are they going to do this? How are they going to get away with doing this? It doesn't look like this is... I mean, it's not rigged up in any way. Holy shit. Because <laughs> yeah, he, he slams that noose into the uh, the hood of the car so that Jeff Jarrett will be dragged behind the back of a car. When, uh, Eric Watts goes around to the front, teases, driving away, dragging Jeff by his neck, which would have been a cool spot, but they didn't do it. Watts then walked back to the uh, back of the car and it's like, you think I'm going to murder you? It's like, yes, that's that's expressly what you tried to do. And, and it would have been cool. Why didn't you do it? That's a much better wrestling angle than just teasing doing it. In typical Eric Watts fashion, he was deeply disappointing in a way you did not even expect. I had zero expectations and you still ruined them, Eric Roth. Watts. He went back to Jarrett and he was like, Oh, the, you just, you know that I could have ended you. I'm Eric Watts. I think I'm cool. I'm the rated R superstar, Eric Watts. He does have like fake edge. 2006 energy, doesn't he? Yeah. Without the charisma. Mm. So we get another very long Eric Watts promo on the last show of the month where he just talks and talks and talks. I didn't remember this one. I just kind of ignored it. It's the one where Jared hit him with a guitar in the end. Yeah, the first real guitar shot from Jared. Yeah, so Jared finally broke out of the guitar because he was fucking sick of hearing Eric Watts constantly talk. You know what? Fair enough. That promo spun in some other directions, which we'll get to in a minute, because we're going to talk next, after we've, I think, dealt with all the fail son stuff. We didn't give Brian Lawler enough credit. His facial expressions in that Dusty segment were great. Yeah, Lawler's great. Like, I was telling you earlier, this started as an, like, ironic love for Brian Lawler, but now I legitimately think he's good. 
he's he's so good in that segment where it's like when when Dusty is like, oh, you want to be king? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, when, he's like Scooby. He's got his <laughs> tongue out and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when uh, he slapped and when the D's nuts line is delivered, he's like puffing his mouth in and out. It's like, he's very good. He is very good. Yeah, it's, it was great when... um. Dusty's like, oh, you, you know, you're, you're out here like a fool. And he starts to take his jacket off. And Dusty <laughs> just looks at him and goes, now, boy, you don't want to do that. Get an old naked on me. <laughs> <laughs> and the crowd goes nuts. Oh, Dusty is so good. <laughs> Get an old naked on me. <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. I'm so happy he's on these shows. I wish like our intro was like triple the length because if it was, I would I would advocate for D's nuts being added into it. It's probably too long. Well, you know what? We'll end the show with D's nuts. We'll put the D's nuts quote at the very end of the show for our dear listeners. Yes, that is a thing to listen all the way through to the end, so you can hear the wonderful dusty notes. The dusty notes. <laughs> dusty. dusty noids. You gotta avoid the noids. D's. He said so perfectly. It's also one of the best D's nuts I've ever heard in my life. Like, it does help that the crowd went absolutely apeshit for it. <laughs> of course they did. D'Lo Brown made his TNA debut in this year month of March. He broke out of the prison that housed Malachi Black and Buddy Murphy. Yeah, if if you've seen any of those prison metaphors going all the way back to John Moxley's, uh, they stole it from 2003 D'Lo. Well, technically, I think he's an AWOL soldier, not a not a prison escapee. Uh, or is he... Because, like, the thing is, he's held captive by an oppressed regime, which is... Uh, or an oppressed dictator is the words they use. So I guess he's a prisoner... Is he a prisoner of war? Well, when you think about the phrase oppressed dictator, that means the dictator himself is being oppressed, not doing the oppressing. So mm. <laughs> clearly Vince McMahon is actually the victim in this D'Lo Brown debut. <laughs> D'Lo has been oppressing Vince this whole time. So now he's escaped. He's escaped the shackles. He was free. These, these are the words used in the vignette that aired before D'Lo Brown showed up. Which, yeah, is this weird thing where it's like he's escaping a military dictator to finally be free here in the NWA TNA. It's so hilarious. And it's so non-fitting for D'Lo. No. It's a perfect vignette. <laughs> and, like, D'Lo doesn't even acknowledge it or anything. He just comes out and he does cut of like, a kind yeah. of anti-WWE promo. But he's not like, I'm free! It has, has nothing to do with his character or anything at any <laughs> point. Like, it immediately goes to, like, his funky Are You Down, <laughs> like, graphic that he has. Which, by the way, D'Lo's theme song as well. Great stuff. It's a weird one. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about D'Lo's theme. Uh, it's a bang. I don't know. It's a little... No, it's not. It's, like, super upbeat. Yeah, but it's, like, it's not very... I don't know. It doesn't have a lot of... It needs a little zush. It has plenty of zush. It's, like... I'm gonna play it underneath it if I can find it so the listeners can make the decision for themselves about whether or not this is a good piece of music. I'm doing I'm doing the head wobble. Dilo Brown's neck muscles. My neck is cracking every time I do this. Yeah, if I move my neck in the slightest bit of the wrong direction, my back will blow out and I'll be, like, debilitated for a day. Whereas, like, this dude is throwing his neck in directions that I did not think he could even throw a neck, and he is fine. This man must have the strongest neck muscles in the history of necks. Got dizzy from whipping my head around like D'Lo Brown. <laughs> he is he's a marvel. That is his true talent, his ability to move his head and neck without having to spend two weeks lying in bed without moving. Also, like, 
uh, you know, cut his promo here. Siaki comes out and confronts him, which is like, wow, you know, two major stars right here. Sonny Siaki and D'Lo Brown, yeah. Yeah. And um, then they get into their physical confrontation. D'Lo hits all of his moves and they look crisp as hell. It's a um, cool, fun little segment. And I gotta admit, D'Lo really felt like, like a star here. Yeah, he got a huge reaction when he came out. Yeah, huge reaction, cut a great promo, looked in great shape. Mm. Looked like a star here. Yeah, as you mentioned, when he hit the lowdown and we hit the sky high, great stuff. And they, like, hit his music mid-sky high, which I thought was, like, really cool. Like, while he was in the air, they hit his music and he came down. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe we could try and track down some of that old Japan stuff and see how his work was in this time as well. Oh, his 30-minute time limit draw with Joe Doring? Oh, no, it was Kojima. He has a 30-minute time limit draw with Kojima. What? I, I think so, yeah. I need to see that. So... D'Lo, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to dip back into D'Lo's TNA stuff, because D'Lo is like one of those guys who's super underrated. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I know that he has some like pretty highly touted stuff with AJ as well. So Yeah, him and AJ make it for a very fun tag team. So I'm looking forward to it. So during D'Lo Brown's appearance on Chicago Sports Radio, he said he hasn't felt this good in eight years, which is in reference to his TNA debut, and he was very happy with the locker room atmosphere. Everyone in the back has been really professional, said D'Lo Brown. I'm surprised. Well, clearly because Russo's left, you know. Though in a radio appearance later in the month, he did confess that he hopes to return to WWE someday. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like You know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun. And sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs. And it ends up being, you know, almost nothing. You know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. You can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading. So you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling. And you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying... Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% 
off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on arena club. And we thank them for sponsoring the voices of wrestling podcast network. Ah, oh, Daylo, you were going so well. <laughs> but he is happy for the time being in TNA. He left, like, WWE just didn't renew his contract, so he was available to jump, and he jumped. I didn't find D'Lo Brown versus Kojima, but I found D'Lo Brown versus Kawada. Oh, if you remember, D'Lo did return to WWE in 2008, remember that? Oh, yeah. His weird, like, one-year return where he did nothing and got fired again. Yeah, and then he became a backstage TNA guy for a while. Yeah, he's currently color commentator on Impact, so there you go. Official TNA guy, D'Lo Brown. Yeah, I think he, I think we can crown him that. D'Lo, you're a TNA guy. And people don't think of him as a TNA guy. I think it's mostly because like, a lot of his run was backstage. Yeah, and he hasn't done a ton of notable in-ring stuff. Other than Aces and Eights, of course, Liam, which we will come to in a very long time. <sighs> so the big thing for D'Lo for the month is that part of his contract, part of his going to TNA, he was given an NWA title shot. Which is a dope way of immediately putting someone else into, like, the main event contention. It's funny, we were looking at his cage match and we noted that his Ring of Honor debut was also a world championship match against Nigel McGuinness. So this is clearly something D'Lo regularly negotiates. Mm. But that naturally puts him at odds with Jeff Jarrett immediately. So Jeff and D'Lo have a bit of a, a, a strange bedfellows thing for the entire month going on. Can they get along? Can they coexist? Why do they hate each other? The thing I really didn't like... At the end of the month, there's this big in-ring segment with Sanders, Gilberti, D'Lo, and Jarrett. Where, like, the crux is that Gilberti's like, we will get you your title shot, but if you win, you have to join Sex. And I'm like, he already has his title shot. He, he It was in his contract. He, he doesn't need the Sex offer of a title shot. What's going on here? Mm. I think D'Lo's point is meant to be that, like, he wants it now, but, like, Raven has the claim ahead of him. Mm. So Sex are like, we'll let you get the shot before Raven, if... You join with us. Sex apparently have this kind of power. Well, because Raven's a tentative, like, member of Sex, I guess, they could convince Raven to hold back. And the thing is, they did want to push the Jarrett-Raven match down the line so they could build to it more, which will be one of the big matches we'll talk about when we get to April. So, yeah, I guess so. I still don't like it. (laughs) I don't like to... Because, like, the very first thing he did was a tease of Sex. You know, Siaki came out and offered him a spot in Sex, and he turned him down and beat up Siaki. And then the rest of the month, there's still people trying to get him in Sex. I'm like, ugh... No. You already said no. Feels like everyone's first thing when they do, when they join the company is, hey, will they join sex or not? Or they beat up the Harris pros. <laughs> one of two ways to go. <laughs> go after the Nazis or be offered a spot with the Nazis. That's one of the two ways you debut in TNA. Alleged allegedly, Nazis. yes, allegedly. <laughs> so yeah, D'Lo has an on and off again feud with Jared. He has a match with Chris Harris later in the month. Yeah, it's a okay match. Yeah, it's, a, it's basically just to give him a quick little win, so he's heated up for his match against Jarrett. Over someone credible. The more interesting thing about that Chris Harris against D'Lo Brown match is that they were thinking about breaking up AMW at this stage already, Liam. <sighs> I mean, I'm shocked to hear this in the Vince Russo-led company. <laughs> a note from PW Torch, TNA is planning to break up the America's Most Wanted tag team. Management see Chris Harris as a top babyface, a potential top babyface. Meanwhile, sources say even Harris was reluctant to tinker with the winning AMW formula. No word on what the company has planned for Harris's partner, James Storm. Well, and as we know, here in 2021, that's exactly what happened. James Storm fizzled out and Chris Harris went on to become a legend of the company. Yes, they broke up right here in 2003 and then decided... 
that Harris was the best guy ever and Storm never did anything. Damn, what a shame. Remember when Chris Harris showed up in NXT for a couple weeks? That was weird. (laughs) Remember when James Storm was on WWE ECW? Imagine if they had different careers. Very strange. Not even different if they had each other's careers. I I was a big fan of Cat Money. (laughs) To be fair, I do think Storm probably would have done better in WWE than Harris if he went into like 2007. Yeah, but he would have been a comedy joke cowboy, man. He would have been what he was in the first episode of NWA TNA. He probably would have stayed employed longer, though. That is fair. Oh, yeah, he definitely he definitely would have stayed around. And isn't that truly the only goal of going to WWE, is to stay employed for as long as you can? Get as much money as you can. So we will monitor the potential AMW breakup as as it doesn't happen. No, it, you might be surprised. It doesn't happen. They don't break what? up. But they I, that's what? That's what I thought the first episode of next month is. Storm turns on Harris. He's like, how dare you have a match without me? I find you guilty of infidelity. <laughs> you should go after D-Lo then. So the other big kind of sex-related thing is Styles and Raven, who have a few through the month for a number one contendership. Which is kind of bad? I didn't like... They have two matches. One on NWATNA preview number 36, where they went to a double pinfall draw. And then one on NWATNA preview number 37, March 19th, where they have a ladder match. I like the ladder match. I thought the ladder match was pretty good. They took some big stupid spots, which I appreciate. We also, uh, before we get to those, we should talk about Raven and Sandman had their blow-off, the Clockwork Orange House of Fun match, which actually featured the debut of Kevin Sullivan. Which I was into. So, the first show of the month, March 5th, starts with Raven cutting a promo. And once again, Liam, I've written down the Raven promo. Here we go! Uh, Life as a tapestry, weaved by the gods. And those who are singled out for this divine birthright, again, my Raven impression sounds much more like James Mitchell, have two choices. You need more pauses in here. You're remembering it too well. Oh, sorry, yes. They can fight it, or they can face it. Well, I have turned the other cheek for far too long. Lights flicker out. Oh, sorry, the light, that, that's, that's, sorry, that's stage oh, yeah, direction. Sorry. Whoosh, lights. Because <laughs> midway through this, while he's cutting the promo, which is an important note in a second we'll come back to, the lights kind of drop, and you can see, like, the confusion on his face. He's like, what? <laughs> he's like, Sabu? I have not been devout because pain and horror are holy things, and by believing in the darkness, we are elevated, and by elevating us, we elevate ourselves when we destroy, and when we destroy, we are cleansed. Welcome to Raven's Clockwork Orange, House of Fun, quote the Raven, nevermore. He does another one on the second show of the month, which is just as bad, but I didn't write down. Next time. We can only have one Raven promo read a month. So just as he finishes this promo, you hear somebody say, like, well, 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 and then lights drop, show cuts out. <laughs> because right. the power cut in the building. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. So TNA went off the air for, I think it was like three or four or five minutes while they were trying to get up the, a screen, a graphic game of TNA will be right back. Like, Kevin Sullivan actually cut his promo during this time. Like, he didn't know the lights went out. He went through his entire promo and you know the lights went out? Oh, no, I guess not. <laughs> Maybe the microphone still worked? I don't know. He did his promo twice. Yeah, but the lights were out. I hope he just screamed it at Raven. <laughs> but they did, a few minutes later, get back on the air. And uh, it's not actually in the Impact Plus version. If you go back and watch the original version, which has a few more seconds before Kevin Sullivan starts cutting his promo, Kevin Sullivan is like, all right, let's do it again, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, he's like, all right, let's do it again, I guess. Um, I will not be a referee! <laughs> I will be an observer! <laughs> so Kevin Sullivan does his entire promo for a second time because there was a power failure in the building. Awesome. Just, this is the stuff I'm, I'm here for. From PW Torch, before the outage, TNA officials were under the impression that they backed up power generator would kick in automatically in the event of a power outage. Even now that they know that's not the case, they do not plan to make the switch because the financial investment would be too steep. Come on, Dixie. You're in charge now. TNA officials believe the blackout was caused by a power surge, some video packages were destroyed, and there was also some minor production equipment damage. Awesome. So th- th- this is not quite building catches fire. We'll get to that in 2006. Excuse me? Don't worry about it. But we are here and building loses power and show goes off the air for five minutes and Kevin Sullivan has to do his promo twice. Hell yes. Big Kevin Sullivan guy. Big fan of this. But that does build to the main event. Raven defeated Sandman in the first, the inaugural Clockwork Orange House of Fun match in which Raven bled more than any human being should bleed for a match like this. Until the next week where he bled more. But the problem is, he cut himself so deep here that the wound literally could not heal. Like, you know, on commentary, I think it's on during the ladder match with AJ. They are talking about how, like, Raven's cut keeps on opening because he cut himself so deep. That's a shoot. He, like, he's cut himself so deep that he cannot, in fact, heal the wound quickly enough before he wrestles again. And when he wrestles again, the wound opens again and it just does not heal. Jesus Christ. Because if you look at him after this, like, he is caked in blood. It's, like, one of the worst blade jobs you'll ever see. And worse by, I mean, like, lots and lots of blood. Like, his his hair is just red. His face, is, and it's like, it's literally like you threw strawberry jam in his face and covered it all over. That's how, how much he's bleeding. In this, like, nothing match against the Sandman as well. <laughs> Excuse me, this is the Clock House Orange House of Fun. I, I wonder, is that it? Like, this is the debut of my signature stipulation match, so I must bleed to an extent that no one, anybody possibly wants, but I, I will get over my own stipulation match if I do it. I think he just respects the bit. So he must bleed to an extravagant degree? Yeah. Uh, I know from this match, and I, I noticed this actually while watching, while Sandman knocks over us, the Raven's Nest sign hovers over Raven's, like, perch in the top of the stand. It looks like shit. It's a horrible sign, but I noticed he knocked it over while they were brawling in the stands. I was like, I wonder if that fallen on anybody. Turns out, it did. Awful. I know from PW Torch, a young fan was hurt when Sandman accidentally knocked the Raven's Nest sign on top of him during last week's main event. Part of the sign fell onto the fan and left a large cut on his head. The fan and his parents were ushered backstage by security or were introduced to the wrestlers and sent home with a load of merchandise. Don't sue, don't sue, don't sue, don't sue. All the office has downplayed the severity of the situation. One wrestler who saw the kid said he was about as bloody as Raven was. <laughs> Which... I just like, I wish the, if the kid was a worker, he would have walked backstage, done the raven pose and be like, I am the sanctity <laughs> of the sanctuary. Everyone follow me through the darkness and I will lead us to the light. But I am not your messiah, no. <laughs> uh, the Sandman took pictures with the boy and then ducked back in the corner of the locker and placed his head in his hands and cried because he was distraught because he nearly killed the kid. <laughs> oh, poor Sandman. Sandman rules. Um, <laughs> poor Sandman. <laughs> I was going to spin off into Raven Styles, but let's do Sandman, because it's one, yeah. uh, the next week is one of my favorite matches in TNA history. <laughs> yeah. Where the Harris Bros wrestles Steve Carino and Sandman. <laughs> A match that will be in, like, by the time this is up, on our Twitter, basically, in full. 
So Sandman's doing his entrance after Carino's and the Harris Bros have already uh, made their entrance. So Sandman's going through the crowd. He's drinking. He's smoking. He's having fun with the fans. And then the bell rings. <laughs> and the Harris Bros continue to beat on Steve Carino. Steve Carino makes his own comeback. They hit him with the the the, the, the H bomb. That's a horrible name for a move. I was going to say, like, uh, in Carino's defense here, like, he gets, like, 70% of the offense still. Like, he's, he's hidden stunners, he's, like, hidden strikes, he's beating them up. They kind of get him on, like, a banana slip, a banana slip H-bomb. And pin him, while Sandman turns around and is like, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, Sandman turns around when, the, like, the three is counted. And he's like, wow, what? He's busy trying to get people in the crowd to drink his beer. I absolutely adore the idea that Sandman's partner was pinned because he was too busy doing his entrance. It's awesome. Sandman rules. There is an even better one, frankly, at the end of the month, where the, the main event of the last show of the month is the Sadistic Madness match, or as James Mitchell likes to call it, an S&M match. Please say it as Raven as James Mitchell. A Sadistic Madness match. There you go. With the rules of the Sadistic Madness match are as follows. You must bleed before you can be pinned or submitted. So uh, the, the, the tactical advantage is to try and avoid bleeding and therefore you cannot lose the match. Sandman, however, <laughs> makes his entrance, his usual entrance, which involves downing a can of beer and then smashing that can of beer off of his forehead. Sorry, I just want to mention, in this case too, Sandman went to the extent of bringing like a 12-pack down with him too. It wasn't even a couple cans. He bought like the box. He wanted to make sure he could make himself bleed. So what does smashing a can of beer off your own forehead, particularly Sandman's particularly vulnerable forehead, do? It makes him bleed before the match even begins. And, like, the announcers are buried. It was like, what the hell would you do this for? You put yourself and your team at such a tactical disadvantage because you made yourself bleed. I wish his team were pissed about it. <laughs> Perry Saturn just starts shooting on him. Yeah. Uh, Sandman. What a character. What a character on this show Sandman is. I love him. I love him, so I hope he never leaves. <laughs> so then we do have the two Styles Raven matches. The, the first one, as I said, on the uh, March 12th show, I didn't particularly care for. I thought it was actually kind of bad. It was okay. And then the ladder match I thought was better because they just did some cool ladder match moves. AJ took a lot of bumps in it. I like the logic here that the TNA officials thought it would be too much in Raven's wheelhouse to make it just a plunder match. Mm. So they added the ladder match stipulation to give AJ a chance. Yeah, so it, it evens things out. It gives them both their 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 like strategic and stylistic advantages. I really like that. I thought that was a good touch. So a note from the first Air Raven-AJ match. Raven spent last the night in uh, the Atlanta emergency room following his match with AJ, the first one. Raven drove back to Atlanta after the show, but immediately sought medical treatment at a local emergency room for a pair of cuts on his forehead. The first cut was actually self-inflicted from a blade, which Raven used during the match with Styles. Raven cut himself so deep that it wouldn't close. And remember, this is the week after he, he did the Sandman blade job. So again, he continues to stab himself in the forehead, and they're, they're these cuts are not healing. Wrestlers rule. He needed plastic surgery for that. Uh, and then uh, the second cut occurred on the March 19th show when Styles hit him with the, the, the handle ca- handle side of a trash can, which bust him open again. Which Don West, like, was aghast at. <laughs> He's like, he hit him with the other side. That's much worse. <laughs> <laughs> That's because he talks so much shit about AJ. AJ's like, fuck you, I'm going to get you with the other side of the can. And you'll note, Raven wasn't on the March 26th show because he asked for it off. It's like, I am bleeding so much every single week. I need a week off for these dumb uh, freaking cuts in my forehead to heal. Please. 
I'm hurting so bad. He needs a plastic surgeon to, to like sew it together just so it starts to heal. And the glue doesn't work anymore. My god, Raven. So much blood from Raven on these shows. Uh, uh, okay, I think we're through all the sex stuff. Sex sales. Well, yeah, I guess like... So, yeah, I was going to say like the Russo stuff is like repeated throughout the month, but it's only really the one segment, so... Yeah, you, you see scenes from that one segment multiple times, and like Jeff Jarrett does an interview at the end of the month where they, they mostly talk about that segment as well. Um, oh, and also he does one on the the same show that it happens, and he's like, you know, the, the annoying part about this whole Jarrett Russo stuff is every time he can, Jarrett's like, you know, Russo's not that bad of a guy, <laughs> he's kind of just a passionate guy who really believes in the things that he's into. And you're like, Jarrett, no, hate him. <laughs> I like the way Mike Tanay is the opposite because he brings Mike Tanay to that for that interview. And then Russo's like, you don't believe me, do you, Mike Tanay? Mike like, no. And Russo's like, that's because you're too deep into wrestling. It's like, no, it's because you spent a lifetime being full of shit. <laughs> also, because this isn't real. <laughs> mm. It's a storyline that I'm a part of. It is actually a shoot. Oh, I didn't even read the note from freaking the, the Torch about how... Basically, they're like trying to convince people this is a shoot again, even though Russo's backstage at every show. Cool. For whatever it's worth, some TN officials are being told that Vince Russo's retirement speech was a shoot. However, Russo was backstage at the show and his vignette was taped in the building, not at his home, as was claimed as part of a storyline. I was going to say, his home looks like shit if that's his house. <laughs> that's just a random room in the building with a computer in it. There's also, uh, like, Dave Meltzer notes in The Observer that Hennig is actually a very bad example to use as somebody who was away from his kids, given he spent most of the prior 11 years, like, with his kids every week. It's almost like he was just going for shock value and not for an actual point. Which perhaps makes it feel even sleazier to use the death of Kurt Hennig in this stupid wrestling angle. Guy who was here, like... A month ago. <laughs> yeah, and he's passed away, and we must use his passing as a dumb Vince Russo crutch for a dumb promo that we're going to try and once again convince people are, is actually the case until Vince Russo inevitably returns to television. No, I'm pretty sure he's never coming back. Oh, yeah, sorry. He did say it's not an angle. He wishes it was an angle. <sighs> I wish it was an angle. So we had many other debuts this month. One of the bigger ones was Jim Duggan. Moon Duggan. Oh. So Jim Duggan makes his debut on the March 12th show, I believe, yeah. or is it? The, the, yeah, March 12th, he makes his debut in a match against Mike Sanders. And Liam, I'm again going to make a bold claim, is the worst match in TNA history to this point. Ooh. This, this match, it wasn't even that the match was bad, but this match was six minutes long. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't hate it, honestly. I thought it was, I mean, I gave it like one and a half stars. I just thought it was... You know, old guy beating up a guy and crowd getting into it and going, whoa, that was it. If this match was just because my, Jim Duggan was a surprise opponent for Sanders. Sanders was uh, trying to prove his, his worth and sex and then Duggan came out and beat him. But if this match was a minute long and Duggan squashed him, I'd like, yeah, fine. Because like the next week there's a Moondog spot and Jim Duggan against Sanders and Gilberti match. It is about a minute long and Duggan and Moondog spot win. That's fine. This match went six minutes, and it felt like 30. I have never felt a longer six-minute match in my entire life. Like, it just kept on going. They had a real match, Liam. I have no idea why they had a real wrestling match. It was so bad. (laughs) Made me suffer. I mean, yeah, it definitely wasn't good, but I just didn't hate it as much as you. Then the next week, Jim Duggan comes out. On the eve of the beginning of the war in Iraq. About time! Oh, 
Jim Duggan starts the show cutting a promo, first of all, burying France and Germany for objecting to the war. shit, France and Germany! Rallying the troops of Australia, Britain, and the United States for, for going to war to take down Iraq. Then he says the Pledge of Allegiance. Then he tells a story about how one of his daughters was like, Daddy, are we safe? And then Jim Duggan was like, you know, I don't know, but I'm going to cut a promo on Saddam Hussein anyway. Cool. So, yeah, this, again, the U.S. went to, to war in Iraq, a deeply unpopular war, even at the time. So you needed, uh, there was a lot of this in, like, American culture and American society because there was a lot of people objecting to this entirely unlike warranted uh, war based on false pretenses. So a lot of people were like, hey, wait a minute. But then there was the big pushback. It's like, you don't support the troops. It's like, no, I'd rather the troops not die for no reason. It's like, you don't support the troops. It's like, all right, shut up. <laughs> I love the troops. So it's very strange to get this like full-on military jingoism to kick off an NWA TNA pay-per-view. Hey, this is the one that was broadcast in Australia, so <laughs> fair play to them. They did put over the Australians as being part of this alliance with the United Kingdom and Britain to invade Iraq. Yeah, where was Ireland, huh? We are a notoriously neutral country, Liam. We stayed neutral in World War Two. Sounds like cowardice to me. We are one of the most neutral. It's like we're not picking a side. We're we're the we're the people who just sit in the middle and pretend to be above it all. Wow! And after the U.S. saved you from your potato famines, how dare you turn your back on them? Despite the fact that we do allow the U.S. to use one of our airports to refuel their planes, but still, we're neutral. Oh wow! This is what Maggie Thatcher was all about. <laughs> because that has a lot to do with it. Yes. Yep. I'm just saying buzzwords. <laughs> just hoping that they, they connect in some manner of offence. <laughs> Famine. War. Thatcher. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Troubles. Uh, bombings. So there was a note in the PW Torch that TNA planned to use uh, Jim Duggan as the TNA Goodwill Ambassador, so he wasn't meant to have a regular role. No, he didn't get much goodwill from us. He gets goodwill from the US troops. USA. USA. Come on, Garrett. USA. Come on, everyone. USA. USA. We did have some more America fuck yeah moments where Goldilocks and Dale Oliver opened the following show with an acoustic version of America the Beautiful. Dale Oliver! Yeah, the first we've seen of Dale Oliver on camera here in TNA. Playing guitar just like Eric Bischoff. Yeah, and his fancy pants. Yeah, he did wear some very fancy pants. There was also some chemistry between Goldilocks and Dale Oliver, and I hope that they explore this further. There were some longing glances. Mm. Some deep looks into each other's eyes as they sang mm. that song. Well, it's a very horny song, isn't it? Mm. So we also had the debut of Perry Saturn. <laughs> oh yeah, he just threw dudes. It kind of ruled. Yeah, so he showed up in the main event after Malice apparently disappeared. I didn't see any notes about why Malice disappeared, but well, Malice disappeared. He was in the promo that Mitchell cut and then just didn't show up the next week. <laughs> Yeah, because he returned the week before, beat up all of the Triple X and people. Looked really cool, actually. He just showed up and choke slammed everybody. <laughs> yeah, he powerbombed Daniels. And Daniels took a great bump on it. So then Malice disappeared again, never to be seen again. So the main event was the new church of the last show of the month. It was the new church and Sandman and Perry Saturn against Sex's team of the Harris Bros and Triple X. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, Perry Saturn showed up, threw around Triple X, threw around the, the, the Harris Bros. Same thing in the main event. Perry Saturn rules. Yeah. 
And like when he showed up, you were like, "Oh no, Perry Saturn's here." And I was like, "No, Perry Saturn is no." Really I cool. didn't say, "Oh no, Perry Saturn's here." <laughs> there is audio evidence at TNAchat.com of your full disinterest at Perry Saturn's TNA debut. I believe it was more indifference than disinterest. <laughs> disinterest and indifference are more or less the same thing. No, disinterest implies negative connotations. Indifference is just like whatever. I'm pretty sure indifference also implies negative connotations. <laughs> nah, indifference is more neutral. It's still pretty negative. <laughs> I don't think indifference is negative. I think indifference is indifference. Could go either way. Could be some good, could be some bad. Hey, oh. If somebody says, I am indifferent to you, do you two ever take that as like, you know what, I'm not going to be upset about this person saying this thing to me. I would never be offended by someone being indifferent to me. In fact, I encourage it. But yes, I was very excited to see Perry Saturn throw some dudes around. And Liam was like, <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly how I was. Again, audio Wait, evidence. TNAchad.com. You can hear it for yourself in the watch-along. We got him. This voice is all, we're just working a storyline <laughs> right now, so they go buy the, the watch-along. This isn't an angle. I wish it was an angle. Yeah, I'm leaving the podcast forever. But yes, Saturn showed up, threw people around, and he wasn't the only one who showed up for that main event, Liam. Also, we had the, the TNA world's debut. world's largest love machine. Of Viscera, Mabel. I'm chucking up the Vs right now, Big Daddy V. Big fan of Big Daddy V. He showed up, he dropped Chris Daniels with the choke bomb. Uh, he was a pal of Ron Killings, who we'll talk about, I guess, in a second as well. But yes, the debut of Viscera. I'm into this. I love Big Daddy V. I'm ready for this run. I enjoyed the note in PW Torch. Virtually nobody in TNA expects Mabel to be in for more than a week or two. Aww. So he did join Ron Killings, who had a month. So uh, first couple of shows of the month, he was standing in the crowd. He was watching. He was like, oh, what's Ron Killings doing? How does he feel about all these things that are happening? I didn't even remember that. I don't remember him being in the crowd. Says Mr. I didn't even watch these shows. No, I watched these shows twice and I didn't even notice him in the crowd. <laughs> he was there for the first show. The second show, he disappeared. Then uh, third show of the month, he makes the save for, for Jarrett and Truth and all those. Uh, Jarrett and uh, Dusty and D'Lo, they're being attacked by Stax. Truth comes out, saves them, and everyone's like, oh, Truth Yay. is on the side of tradition. Blah, 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 blah. Then later in that same show, when Jarrett, D'Lo, and Dusty beat the new generation, Truth then comes out and attacks Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> No! So we just do not know what is happening with Truth. He is turning face and turning heel within the same show. Like, legitimately, I think he's, like, we always cite Big Show as the example of somebody who does just random turns at any given moment. I think I think Truth is a bigger example here in these early days of TNA. To be fair, I think everyone in TNA is a better example because no one stays the same alignment for more than a month. But, like, Truth doesn't stay the same alignment for more than, like, two segments. <laughs> Yeah, let's be real, Jarrett has, like, swapped back and forth, like, four times in the show before, so I don't think it fucking... Like, everything here is just as up in the air. I don't know, like, I think for the most part, Jarrett was a heel until sex, and now he's a babyface. As opposed to Truth, who is legit, like, I don't know, like, he attacks Daniels, like, Viscera attacks Daniels in that main event segment, so he's back to being a babyface, despite the fact the week before he turned heel again when he attacked Jarrett? I don't know. I don't know. I like Ron Killings. I want to cheer for Ron Killings. Why are you making it so hard? Yeah, because they don't know what to do with him. So this month we had the continuing feud between Jerry Lynn and Conan, a feud that you bizarrely hate despite the really cool matches that happen in it. I don't hate this feud. 
I'm so upset because if you go to uh, the $1 tier on our Patreon, you can see our star ratings, which I will reveal. Liam gave the super crazy versus Jerry Lid match that happened on the March 5th show two and a half stars, even though that match kicks so much ass. That match rules. I don't know what you're talking about, Garrett. If you go and check those stars, it says three and a quarter. That's still too low. It's minimum three and a half. I don't know what you're talking about. That, that, I... It's a perfect, a perfectly reasonable. I'm going to bully you into giving this Jerry Lynn super crazy match the credit it deserves. I did. I gave it. I gave it three and a quarter. It was really slow at the start, and then they did a bunch of really cool spots at the end. No, they just went straight to doing cool flips and exchanges, and Super Crazy did like 17 different kinds of moon salts, and they dropped each other on their heads a bunch, and the crowd went nuts That's for not it true. all. <laughs> it started off slow. You are disparaging the good names of Super Crazy and Jerry Lynn. This, by the way, in Super Crazy's only TNA match. Yeah, he definitely should have been brought back more because he did rock in this. Remember his spinning powerbomb? Remember how cool that was? Yeah, I do. That's the reason I thought the match ruled. <laughs> Just because of the spinning powerbomb? And all the moonsaults. He did like 17 different moonsaults. Yeah, good stuff. We will actually, we will talk about Super Crazy briefly in 2017 again, where he has technically a match that airs on Impact, but doesn't happen on Impact against the Hardys. But until then, we will never speak of Super Crazy again. This is his only match and you buried it. I didn't bury it. You were like, I never want to see Super Crazy again. This Super Crazy match was the worst thing I've ever seen. Why is he booked in TNA? I wish Jerry Lynn wrestled good wrestlers. Conan has never been more wrong when he was talking about these Lucha Libre guys. I heard you say all that with your star rating. Yeah, three and a quarter. <laughs> you gave it two and a half like an absolute monster. A scoundrel. Yeah, then I rewatched it. <laughs> Not given Super Crazy the respect he deserves. And then the match I didn't like but you did for some reason. Damien 666 and Halloween against Jerry Lynn and David Young. Yeah, this match rocked. <laughs> Which apparently you thought was better than the Super Crazy match. Yeah, just a banger tag match. I like Halloween like Damien. What's the problem? Uh, a fun note, uh, Laparca was scheduled to appear on the baby, but he couldn't get his paperwork processed quickly enough. So, ah, the chairman. So uh, Halloween and Damien 666 were replacements for Laparca. And even David Young was a replacement for um, Paul London, who had, I think Mike Tanay said, an intestinal virus. So hope um, Ooh, rough. Paul London's doing okay there, but he was meant to team with uh, Jerry Lynn here against Damien 666 and Halloween. I think the same with the following week with Jason Cross teams with Jerry Lynn. So That would have been a couple of banger tags. You're a bigger fan of Damien 666 and Halloween than you are Super Crazy is what you're saying here? Uh, in the NWAT in 2003. Um, yeah, the following week, Conan and Jerry Lynn defeat... Or Conan and Jerry Lynn, they don't team together. Conan and Hoovy defeat Jerry Lynn and Jason Cross as this feud continues. That was the least... The one that I liked least of the bunch. Uh, nothing really happened. It was more just to tease dissension. Again, like the, the story here is that the, the Lucha guys keep on losing and Conan snaps on them all the time. But then they cheated to win here. My favorite part of that match actually is if you notice at the very start, like Conan is famous for wearing his very sagging pants. And <laughs> you'll notice if you watch very closely, there's a moment where Juventud Guerrero tries to pull up <laughs> Conan's pants. <laughs> He's like, it's, it's, so silly. it's sagging too much. I need to pull up your pants. What a good friend. And last show of the month, we get the big match. Jerry Lynn against Conan. It was bad. Conan should not wrestle more than, like, one-minute matches. No. He does not seem... And, like, he's perfect for, the, like, the, the six-man tags he's put in soon. But until that happens, n- not a good spot here for Conan. The The story is after the match, a mass luchador attacks Jerry Lynn. The mass luchador is played by Sharkboy, in case you were wondering. Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> that is a story we will see play out over the coming weeks. Who is this masked luchador and what does Conan know about it? it looks like shit. <laughs> yeah, so he hit Jerry Lynn with a rana and ran away. 
after Jerry Lynn defeated cool. Conan, presumably ending his feud with Lucha Libre and proving the X Division is superior in the end. Now he should wrestle like all the Japanese juniors. Bring in Liger. <laughs> That's not going to happen for another two and a half years. Well, listen, Russo's in charge, and like he said, if you want your Lucha Libras, go to Japan. So bring in some Japanese talent. No, they should send Jerry there to wrestle them in their home country, in their home promotions. Go to a Best of the Super Junior. And air them all here on NWATNA. Yeah, please, please do that, please. <laughs> so other stuff in the X Division this month was mostly the Kid Cash feud with Amazing Red. I like how you're skipping over a debut. We'll, we'll hover back. I don't appreciate this. We clearly have debuts lined up as the second broad topic. And you're skipping over to the X Division. What's the one you want to talk about? Alexis Lorray! And what does that relate to? Oh no. What did I just segue to? And now you're giving out to me. me. He's got me there. Alexis Lorray debuted as part of the Amazing Red Kid Cash feud, which I just pivoted to, and then you're giving out to me. Oh no. (laughs) Oh no. Amazing Red Cash feud through the entire month. March 5th show they have an X Division title match in which they do the Amazing Red and Loki sequence in slow motion and they miss <laughs> half of the spots. It's The stomps are so bad. Cash does the little head stomps and they're so shitty. It's it's like comically bad how bad an imitation of the Loki Amazing Red because like they did the Loki Amazing Red spot in TNA as well. And it looks fine, and they do it here, and it's looked awful. It's awful. And, like, that match does get better towards the end, and they start hitting, like, stuff a lot crisper, but the start of that match was so disjointed. Like, they felt like they're on two completely different pages. It ended up being, like, it, it ended up having enough giant explosive spots that I liked the match, but the start of it was so rough. Yeah, I think I gave the match three and a quarter in the end, because I agree. I think it turned into a pretty darn good match by the end of it, but as you said, just... These two, apparently, like, they've wrestled before. This isn't their first match. Why do they suddenly have such bad chemistry? I don't know. I think it's even their third match, isn't it? First one with Trinity at ringside. That's the difference maker, and that's what Red thinks. Mm. So the entire of this feud is built around the fact that Amazing Red is very angry at Trinity. He believes Trinity is is protecting Kid Cash's belt, and if it were a fair one-on-one match, Red would beat him. But it just makes Red look like a bit of a misogynist jerk, where he's just... But also, he's kind of not wrong... Like, Trinity does keep interfering in these matches. But at the same, there's something about Red's delivery that just makes him seem like the asshole. Well, yeah, because he's like a cocky heel now. <laughs> but he's not. He's a babyface. He's still like the, 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 he's meant to be likable here. He's meant to be like, the injustice is against him. I don't know. I like cocky shithead of Raising Red. <laughs> it's it is pretty great. I believe entirely unintended. But it kind of rules. I like um the backstage segment that they have where uh Lynn says, no, sorry not Lynn Cash says something on the lines of um you know I take everyone on one on one hey even tonight I'll take two on one blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> and he comes up and and Red starts talking shit in his like Brooklyn accent that I can't do and he'll be like yeah leave her in the back see if you can win it by yourself everyone knows that you're only winning because she's out there it walks off and then Cash just goes what was he talking about <laughs> and Trinity's like I don't know. <laughs> So the second we show of the month, we get Cash against Amazing Red against Johnny Storm making his TNA debut. Johnny Storm has the worst theme music I have heard ever. I don't even remember registering it. It was just like... It was like sort of like a generic... And then on top of it, it was... I don't know. Based on your impersonation of it there, that sounds like a bop. 
No, it was fucking awful. It gave me a headache. I had to turn it down. <laughs> Maybe that's why you don't remember anything on these shows the first time you watch them. Yeah, Johnny Storm's music gave me an aneurysm. But it's cool to see Johnny Storm on these shows. He's not around for long, so appreciate him while he's here and his bad music. I will not. Cash retains against Red and Storm. Then the next week we get Cash against Red against Trinity because Red is like, I will fight you all. Trinity should have won this. Yeah, this match ruled where it's like it's mostly Red and Cash just doing a decent match. And then at the end, Trinity just goes wild, hitting her Ranas, hitting her Tornado DDTs, hitting her Moonsaults before Cash sneaks in and gets the win again. This match, so good. Mm. Yeah, they should have strapped her up here. She looked great. Um, the week before, she had a pretty rough week mm. <laughs> where she moonsaulted and missed everyone and just landed on her face. Oh, I was watching it as well. If you, if you watch it, you see it's like, oh, she doesn't look over her shoulder. You know, she's not like Red's in position. She just trusts Red to be there. Yeah. So she goes up top, moonsaults to the floor, and Red's not there. <laughs> and then Johnny Storm crushes her. Like, just out of nowhere comes from the other side. You can see the, the clip on our uh, Twitter, but like jumps off of the other one and just slaughters her. <laughs> Yeah, it literally just splats her. It's a rough, like, minute. <laughs> Poor Trinity. Not having a good time here in, in this three-way match. Then the final show of the month, Liam. Finally, we get the debut of Hardcore Country Alexis Lurie. Yeah! She, she's really mean. <laughs> she is. Again, meant to be the baby face with Red, but she shows up and just starts shouting at Goldilocks. It calls her a bitch. Why does everybody hate Goldilocks on these shows? I don't know. It's like everyone hates her, but they also have like a begrudging respect for her. Because like she never gets like attacked in like the sex locker room, you know what I mean? Mm. They're all they all are willing to talk to her, but then they'll be like, alright, now fuck off Goldilocks. <laughs> like but like they'll never like physically get involved with her, you know? Like so there's some sort of respect there, but they also no one likes her. It is a bizarre dynamic. Only J.J. Dillon liked her, and he lasted a week. Maybe that's why he got fired. Yeah, he's like, you're too nice to Goldilocks. There's a policy backstage. <laughs> so that leads us to a match where Red and Alexis Lurie lose to Kid Cash and Trinity, where Trinity got the pin on Lurie, and Kid Cash was not pleased. Uh, Trinity and Alexis... I'm just gonna, can I call her Mickey? <laughs> I really hate calling her Alexis Lurie. You can call her Mickey. They were bad in this. Yeah. Like... All over the place, spots were disjointed, didn't look like they were prepared to be ready for spots, looked like they were thinking about everything they were doing, just wasn't great here. Um, I think Alexis Lurie wore a shirt that said green on it, which was (laughs) very funny. Yeah, like, obviously, you know, Mickey becomes one of the best women's wrestlers in America, so she does get it eventually, and Trinity can be really good in her big high spot stuff, but... Doing this tag match together, they were both real rough. Yeah, because Trinity's not a good wrestler. She's not. And that's fine. She can hit her spots like a killer. Yeah, but... she can hit her Tornado DDT and her Moonsault and her Hurricane Rana like nobody's business. But ask her to string that together in a wrestling match, it's a disaster. Yeah. So when when her and Mickey were in there, it was chaotic. And it, it's just, they just started shooting on each other most of the time because of the miscommunication. <laughs> The AEW formula. Where just throw bombs if stuff falls apart. Yeah, like, Red Velvet should have also been in this match. At least there's women wrestling on the show. That's a plus. Yeah. Unfortunately, they had, like, the worst interaction of anyone on the show, but... I don't know. To be fair to them, to be fair to them, Cash and Red, like, the week before or two weeks before, also had, like, a completely disjointed mess of a match, so... It was just as bad for a while, yeah. And, of course, Jim Duggan against Mike Sanders is still the worst match of the month, so they're not worse than that either. Yeah. So that's X Division, which brings us to the tag teams, the big thing of which Triple X regained the tag titles which they were vacated from. 
<laughs> which is just funny. They just didn't have the belts for a month, I guess. They defeat America's Most Wanted in the second show of the month on March 12th in a pretty darn good match. It was a good match, not a great match. It's funny. Like, I didn't think this was a great match, even though there was just a point in it where I'm just like, AMW were just such a great tag team. Yeah, I thought the same thing, where they were so smooth and so consistent in it, but still just not a very exciting match. I guess, like, everything they did do, they did well, but they didn't really go above and beyond. Yeah, there was just everything about the the way they set up the heat and the way they did the comebacks. I'm just like, God, AMW is really good at this, which is funny that this is the month where they're contemplating breaking them up. This is the month where I... Even, like, AMW have a match the week before uh, where they lose to Gilberti and Sanders for reasons beyond comprehension, but... But you then lose to fucking Moondog Spot and and Duggan. You got to build up Gilberti and Sanders with that win over AMW so they can lose to freaking Duggan and Spot. But even in that match, I, I, it was the same. I had the same thing where I was watching that AMW against Gilberti and Sanders match, and AMW were making their big like fiery comeback, and I'm like, God, these two are such a good tag team. Mm. And there's pretty much nothing else to say about tag teams this month. Yeah, the tag team division kind of stinks. It's just that they're not doing it. Like, Triple X are great champions. They're, like, great pro wrestlers. Even, like, the New Church and AMW, great pro wrestlers. It's just... Yeah, but they're, not, they're just not booking them in anything, so it kind of is like, eh. Yeah, because there is a Triple X against New Church match, which is where Malice makes the save, shows up. Um, it's Yeah, there's just nothing else going on in the tag division. There's a New Church against Hotshots match. You want to talk about that? Not really. Well, there you go. That's tag teams for the month. <laughs> Nothing going on, except a title change where the team that had the belts and were vacated won the belts back. And uh, they might be splitting up their best team. Yes, they may in fact be splitting up America's Most Wanted, but thankfully they don't. So that is us done with broad topics, Liam, if you'd like to go show by show. Boy, do I! March 5th, 2003, from the TNA Asylum. 1,300 people in there sell out heavily papered. Heavily papered. <laughs> um, the hot shots are gone. And they are also kicked out of sex. Oh, yeah. And they looked like such nerds when they came out for that new church match. Terrible gear. Yeah. They just looked like dorks. I just never want to see them. Yeah. And then um, after they like two weeks of being in sex, the Harris brothers kick them out. Good. Literally kick them out of the arena. Because the Harris brothers are the people rallying the troops of sex these days to keep them on the same page. Mm. And we get some stuff where like uh, over the month where like Sanders is pretending to be... Siaki and Gilberti slaps him in the mouth, <laughs> tells him to pull his shit together. Oh, we didn't talk about the main thing! What's the main thing? AJ Styles dropping slurs, baby! I was gonna get to it, but sure, if you'd like to go straight to the last show of the month, we will talk about AJ Styles opening that show, where he walks in, he kicks in the door, he brings a chainsaw to the sex locker room. What? A motherfucking chainsaw! What? Which is not the most dangerous thing he had with him, the most dangerous thing he had with him was his mouth! <laughs> the most dangerous thing he had with him was homophobia in his heart. Yeah, so he's cutting this promo on Glenn Gilberti. The, the 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 funny part of it, as much as dropping slurs can be funny, I guess, is like he goes to say the F word at like the start toward Gilberti, and he does catch himself and doesn't finish saying it. So he's like, you... Yeah. F- uh, and he moves on. And then... At the very end of the promo, he's like, blah, 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 It's like, you, and he drops the slur then. And it's like, AJ? He's, yeah, like, it says here from PW Torch that the belief is that he ran out of things to say and simply said that he got nervous. That seems like what happened. It seems like he didn't know what to fucking say. And he was like, uh, uh, stumbling for anything. Because he also fucked up saying when he wanted to meet them in the ring. And Disco Inferno had to save his promo. Mm-hmm. 
your buddy had to be like, what, 30 minutes? And he's like, nope, uh, 30 seconds. AJ, not a good month for AJ. It's actually, there's a funny note as well in the Wrestling Observer that Styles was publicly critical of the company, as privately several other people in the company have told us, for the incident where Lollipop showed her boobs. Styles is very religious and had been uncomfortable with some of the things WWE had done. So, like, this same dude is like, this woman showed her boobs, but then two shows later is like, I'm gonna drop a gay slur. Oh man, the hypocrisy of religion. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, AJ had a shockingly good match with Mike Sanders. Yeah, it ruled. They had a banger. It might well have been the... I, I, I'm not familiar enough to, with Mike Sanders' entire body of work to say this confidently, but it might have been the best match of Mike Sanders' career. I can't think of a better one. Certainly not in TNA. No. Because, like, this was... This is like I, I don't know if I went three and a half or three and three quarters, but I went high on this. Might have been, like, the best match of the month. You went higher on this than you went to the Jerry Lynn Super Crazy match, which does upset yeah, me. Yeah, this is better than the this is better than the Jerry Lynn Super Crazy match. Ugh, you're a monster. And that one's not even a bit. Like, it just... This is better. All right, you jump straight ahead, so let's go back to the March 5th show. Mr. <laughs> can't keep himself in order. I'm sorry, I just remembered that that happened. <laughs> We do get mention of Raven's destiny at the start of this show, which is a reoccurring theme in Raven's promos. You will be hearing him talk about his destiny for a very long time. Yay. Which is a thing Alberto Del Rio then ripped off where he started talking about his destiny. Destiny. I mean, it's not exactly a... I mean, it's like it's a pretty standard go-to for a guy to be talking about their destiny. Yeah, but the destiny of becoming world champion is tying them together. It's, it's, it's Raven's promo Del Rio stole it. Okay, I didn't know we're so defensive over Raven's promos. Only when I'm not mocking them. <laughs> you were very worried in recent months that every Jorge Estrada match you might have seen is in fact the last Jorge no. Estrada match. No! Garrett, no! Jorge Estrada's victory over Disgraceland here on March 5th is in fact the last Jorge Estrada match we will be covering. Oh. I'm sorry to inform you. Jorge's done. It's the end of Jorge. My heart. A man who seemed to have a lot more potential than he was ever allowed to fulfill. Oh man! So, at least he defeated Disgraceland. He conquered fake Elvis and rode off into the sunset. That's how I'm viewing to see it. Where in the world is Jorge Estrada? That's a good question, to which we do not have a good answer to. During Eric Watts' very long promo on the show, the crowd just started chanting, We don't care. <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then they're right, we don't care. Uh, during the Gilberti and Sanders match against AMW, Moondog Spot shows up at ringside. And I was like, who the fuck is this? But my favourite part is Don West very earnestly suggests that perhaps Moondog Spot is the new leader of sex. He should have been. That would have ruled. He doesn't even do it as a joke. He's just like, you know what? He might be the new leader of sex, Mike. Yes. Yes, he should have been. Uh, Mike Tanay had a sit-down interview at AMW during the show where they were all wearing like matching leather jackets. He is the third member of America's Most Wanted. It is a, a good look. Yeah. We had Kid Cash doing an interrogator segment. <laughs> it was a pretty uh, sultry one, too. Yeah, his response to Paul Heyman was just Jewish, which does seem... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I laughed at that one. But like, he also had a big smile on his face when he said it. Um, and they asked him, Trinity, business or pleasure? And he was like, he responded with, wouldn't you like to know? We would like to know. Yeah, that's the point. We asked the question. That's the, the entire point of asking you these questions, kid. What was his one for AJ? Was it, like, overrated? What? No, I think he just said he was good, didn't he? I don't know. I thought he was, like, overrated. Yeah. No, that was Raven. <laughs> or whatever. Raven was like, he's overrated. Yeah. Right. Do you have any more notes from the show? Um, from this one... Uh, the Sadistic Madness thing's cool. Was that this show? No. <laughs> I gotta mix them up. 
Um, one to, one ahead. Uh, goodbye, Carino. You're still one ahead. What? How am I goodbye? I scrolled one back. The Harris Brothers versus Sam and Carino. Wasn't this one? No, we're still on March 5th. Oh my god, I'm so far ahead. Well, if you'd like to move on to March 12th, you can say goodbye to Steve Carino. Yeah, goodbye to Steve Carino. Who disappears again. He gets killed by the Harris Bros because his partner abandoned him. And to be fair, I'd walk out of the company then too. Yeah. He's going to go get his hearing lost from Homicide. Yeah, maybe if he stayed with TNA, he would have had just full hearing. Until Homicide came in. Yeah, and he would have had a few LAX and lost his hearing to Homicide. They could have done Bob Wire Massacre in TNA. Who are you more upset to see the departure of, Liam? Jorge Estrada or Steve Carino? Jorge Estrada. Yeah, it's a devastating one to TNA history. Because Jorge Estrada not only leaves TNA, he basically leaves wrestling. He does basically never wrestle again. And Carino gets to go have my favourite feud ever. So, and whatever. Not squashed by alleged Nazis. Well. Um, I did quite enjoy, while on commentary for the... Damien 66 and Halloween against Jerry Lynn and David Young match that Conan just basically buried David Young yeah rude just like relentlessly he's like this guy sucks he's terrible and then he hits a cool spine buster and Mike and Don are like hey look and Conan's like nah he's still shit <laughs> I quite enjoyed during the Sanders and Jim Duggan match the only thing I did enjoy about this match was Don West on commentary was like actively being like you know I feel a little sorry for Mike Sanders because of how yeah. positive this crowd are for Jim Duggan how pro USA this crowd are it's not great for Sanders and Mike tonight was like, what? <laughs> you feel sorry for Mike Sanders? Aghast at this. Very funny. Oh, there's also a segment where Goldilocks was interviewing Eric Watts as Eric Watts was walking in the building. And Jeff Jarrett goes to attack Jerry, uh, Eric Watts. And Goldilocks just screams at the top of her lungs. You, you think she'd be used to this? It happens to her weekly. She's just like, ah! <laughs> Goldilocks rules. If you actually watch all the segments where this happens, she frequently just starts shouting, My God! (laughs) Goldie's the best. I hope she never leaves. Yeah. She's going to be around for a while. You can at least enjoy her while she's here. Hell yeah. Uh, That's it for that show. You have anything? Nah. Nah. Which brings us to NWTNA pay-per-view number 37, opening with Hacksaw and the Troops. USA. Hoovy hit a, what was meant to be, I think, a 450 in the tag match. And it just ended up being like a, a senton where he just squashed Jerry Lynn's chest. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> he should just do that. Oh, as Jim Duggan was making his entrance for the tag match, Mike Tanay saluted him. It was very wholesome. Wow, Mike Tanay. As Jim Duggan was demanding the cameraman get out of his way. Like, he saluted Mike Tanay and then he was like, get out of my way, cameraman! Lover of a fake war. You hate to see it. He does love illegitimate wars, doesn't he? Mike Tanay. <laughs> no, no, how dare you? If you're the professor, why do you... Huh? You think you're so smart, Mike Tanay? He is just respecting Jim Duggan, not what Jim Duggan stands for. Wow, <laughs> the artist, not the art. Damn right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Nerd, is it? Oh, I, I forgot to mention, Kid Cash is a chaos theory, or in the match with the Red and Trinity. It was like, when did Doug Williams start doing the chaos theory? I think he was already doing it. So he stole it? That's fine. There was actually a note in one of the, the, it was the torture of the observer that TNA were actually looking at bringing in Doug Williams. Ah, fun. Which, that seems like, it, it's really funny to see all these names that they do end up bringing in, mm. but like years before. Do you, do you want to know another interesting one this month in particular? Mm. The, the, there was rumblings that they would be bringing in Samoa Joe for a dark match. Oh, really? Do you know why that's particularly notable this month? 
did he just win the title or something? He just won the Ring of Honor title in March. I think it was March 22nd. He just beat Xavier for the Ring of Honor title. So there was rumblings that they were interested in bringing him in for some of those dark matches, those tryouts. Bringing him in for <laughs> right at the start of like his old time run. Yeah. Cutting off Ring of Honor. Signing up their cool guys. Well, they still let Ring of Honor use their guys at this point. Mm. So I don't think that would have mattered. Yeah, there's some fun people who were rumbling to come in, but didn't actually come in at that stage. One day, maybe, they'll bring some more Joey. So this is the show where James Mitchell makes his S&M challenge, Sadistic Madness. Yeah, Sadistic Madness is a cool match dip, but like, I guess this is the point to bring it up. Blood has lost all meaning in this company. It's Raven's fault, though. Yeah, I mean, but like, it, yeah, to be fair, it is Raven's fault. But also, like, everyone else is bleeding, too. AJ's bleeding now. Mm. Everyone in this match is bleeding. If, every, if anyone's fault, it's Slash's fault. He started the trend. Yeah, Slash does bleed when the frickin' wind blows. Yeah, there's just too much blood, and now it feels... Not gratuitous, because I think that's stupid, but it feels... Like, it has, like I don't feel like, ooh, blood, you know? I'm like, okay, they're bleeding now. In fact, I don't even think Slash would require wind. You could lock him in, like, an airlocked room with, like... Yeah, it, you put you put him and Raven in an airlock room where they can't move and they just stare at each other and see which one bleeds first. It will happen because that's what their foreheads are conditioned to be these days. And that brings us to NWATNA number 38, March 26th, the last show of the month, which is, as mentioned, the show we did the watch along for at tnachad.com or, or patreon.com slash kiddingme if you would like to listen to our full detailed watch along of this where uh, I, literally I only did the watch along for the chainsaw moment, but then of course AJ drops the Gaysler immediately after. I didn't think it was weird that you specifically chose a, uh, an episode for a slur, but hey. I, no, no, I chose it for the chainsaw. Mm, if you listen to the watch along, it does sound like you would go, this is the reason I chose this segment, How and then you. it's AJ dropping no, the slur. No, no, do you not misrepresent my opinions. Once again, this relentless assault on my takes and my personality and my 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 decency just taking me on all the time. Which means, uh, in typical fashion, I don't have many notes for this. Do you have anything? No. There we go. go listen to us go. Wow, this show funny. Haha, <laughs> meme. Yeah, Perry Saturn shows up. Liam hates him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, since we're we're in the second hour now, right? We can we can bring up um our points of contention against each other. Uh huh. So, Garrett, recently, Mm -hmm. both of us appeared on other podcasts in the VOW network. Sure. You appeared on the five-star match game as a special guest judge. Mm -hmm. A wonderful appearance, by the way. I listened to the show. Thank you. I appeared on Music of the Mat with Andrew Rich to talk about spooky Halloween themes. A wonderful appearance that I definitely listened to. Yeah, yep. Of course, in my appearance, I went on there, represented the brand. I gave TNHad.com a shout out. I gave, gave myself a shout out. I gave Garrett a shout out, of course, as, you know, a good podcast co host would do. Mm-hmm. And then I'm listening to Five Star Match Game. And I'm like, oh, Garrett, he's, you know, he's going to go in there. He's going to he's gonna put out the paid service, obviously, because that's a given. <laughs> and then, you know, if he feels ever so obliged, he may even shout out his co-host as well on the podcast. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, to my horror, um, I was betrayed. Because not only did I not shout you out, I didn't shout out the Patreon either, which I would never do in front of a potentially new audience. I would always say that you can sample our free work before you would ever pay for something, because I'm a man of decency and honor, Liam. You know, (laughs) it's not an angle. I wish it was an angle. I plugged my Disney podcast instead. Yeah, what the fuck was that? 
which you can listen to at magicbydesign.buzzsprout.com. Ken, li- no, no, don't listen to it. I refuse. Ken listens to this show, so thumbs up, Ken, my, my brother and podcast host. You can follow Ken uh, on Twitter at I think it's <laughs> Ken Kidney. <laughs> Yeah, this is why I'm an Ed Kidney guy. Yeah, so you can go to at Ken Kidney on Twitter. You can follow Ken. That's it for the March 2003 episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to support the show more, you can go to tnhad.com or patreon.com slash kiddingme. Or you can subscribe and you can get our watch along. You can get Monday War Games. We just did a Q&A that went up. And you can get all this fun, fun stuff that you can support us. Support If you, if you just like the show, you want to throw some, some bucks and get something in return, tnhad.com. Perfect place to go. Now he knows how to plug it. Because I'm on my own podcast, and the people who have listened all the way through to all of our nonsense are the people most likely to support us. And maybe you want to draw a few bucks. But if you don't, that's also very cool. You can follow me on Twitter, at Garrett Kidney. You can follow the podcasts on Twitter, at TNA History Pod. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs> oh, fuck you! <laughs> fuck you! <laughs> you can follow Liam on Twitter, at Muna. <laughs> thank you we'll be back next week with the finale of monday war games as we mentioned the watch along of the last show of the month is up now so you can listen to that and we'll be back in two weeks with april 2003 so thanks for listening and bye 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 oh yeah you could be king 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 of these nets you know what I'm saying? <laughs>